On this episode of What Could Have Been, I talk to Halifax comedy staple Carrie Lee. Carrie is known for his impressions and unique song parodies that have made him one of the most respected names on the East Coast comedy scene. On this episode, we talk about a number of topics ranging from the Shawshank Redemption to Pee Wee Herman. I really hope you enjoy the cast. What's up, everybody? It's Rick McGray. Remember the name! And welcome to another edition of uh, the podcast, What Could Have Been, with your host, Rick McGray. Remember the name, in case you forgot. And I'm coming to, me, to you now live uh, from lo- on location from a vehicle driving down the Highway 7 of, uh, of, the, of Nova Scotia. And uh, my chauffeur, well, not my chauffeur, my good friend, <laughs> a comedy friend, uh, I've been wanting to have him on the podcast for a while, and uh, I'm going to, like I said, I wanted to, like, make it so that we, you know, and I want to have people on the podcast. Oh, fuck, here I go again with the fucking building the suspense stuff. It's Carrie Lee. Say, say hi, Carrie. Hello, Carrie. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, it's Carrie Lee, everybody. We got Carrie Lee on the podcast. Hello. And uh, really excited to have you on the podcast, Carrie. Um, yes, well, they, yeah. it's a captive audience because we're driving and we can't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Although we're totally. going somewhere, we can't go anywhere. Right. Yeah. I, I like the drives. I it's, mean, it's fun. I, I love driving. It's therapy. I used to work at. I used to be a delivery driver, and I used to deliver out here, like this road, yeah, all the way to Sherbrooke, and. I would turn around and I would drive all the way from Sherbrooke back this way. So I'd drive like two, three hours this way. No, it was, it was a long day. It was like... <laughs> it would be, yeah. Yeah, and, but you'd drive this way and then I would turn around and I would come back. Like Passage Road. Passage Road is like one of the longest roads in Nova Scotia. Nobody realizes that. But... And then I would drive back. It, like I'd double back. And I, it was just such a brutal... Just a brutal, brutal route to do all the time. When you're working, driving is a chore. But when you're... When I do it as a as a as a as a what we're doing now, it's a yeah. therapy. Yeah, for sure. You know, we're in no hurry. We don't have to be anywhere at a certain time. We don't have to have all these things done. It's, yeah, it's just it's a pleasure cruise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. For, I mean, I don't. I, I, that's a really interesting way of putting it, but <laughs> a yeah. pleasure cruise. But yeah, I get. I, I know exactly what you mean. Well, yeah. I mean, because like you, I used to. I had a like when I had a job in security in this one place I was the supervisor and I had to spend my night driving around and I had to find things to do mm-hmm. so for for the 12 hours I was driving sometimes 16 hours I was driving yeah it was it was a lot of driving and I, I you would think I'd get sick of it but yeah. on my days off I'd still go for a drive because mm-hmm. I love driving yeah but for for when you're driving and when it's a chore and when it's a it's a job you're like oh fuck was well, this is this day ever going to end i yeah. just want it over with yeah but when you drive like this it's like oh i'm enjoying myself i can take the time to go where i want to go i can see where things end up i've you know like i've gone down this road before but i've only gone as far as the uh was it the the uh lincoln lodger whatever it is the, like the, the the only one like the only driving job that i was like you know i just i like i really just I just didn't, I couldn't get my head around it, was when I used to have to drive 
like two hours away. I won't say the place because it'll give away where I was working and I, and I don't want like that, if that, like for example, cause you know, like people hear things and I don't want like that boss, if he hears it, he like, if he, cause he's like, he, he's a good friend of mine, you know, like, we're yeah, still, you, yeah, you wouldn't want to get it. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. I wouldn't want to ever talk down about him or make him make it seem like he was a, he was a bad, uh, employer because he wasn't, he was a great guy. He yeah, was, the job was, just the, the job was just, it was bullshit because it was just like, it had drive so far away just to, just to do the stuff and then you get it done and then then you have to come back and then like it's so unorganized and it's like oh well we need you to stop we drive like an hour and stop in uh this other place and like you know like i'm not gonna drop like n- names of places just because i just don't want that to like get back to that particular person exactly yeah right yeah but because it's, it's, but it's, it's, he was a they, they were they were that one person was a good employer the other one like that was part of it i didn't i he, that person wasn't a good employer, so you can like you can take that like you know what I mean. I don't, I don't if you could if you could you could go tell that if you guys figure out what I'm talking about you you, you can I, I, by all means tell that guy what I said. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I just I but that but the other guy he was he 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 helped me when I needed to be helped. Yeah. you know what I mean. And like I like I like driving, but like the thing for me with driving is it's just like I've been in so many accidents now, like in the last. In the last 12 years, I've been in, like, damn. You've been in as many accidents as like, Steve Mackey's been in the drunk tank. Like, eight eight accidents? <laughs> yeah, you think so? But no, has, it's has, more than that. Has he been in the... Do you think he's been in the drunk tank a lot? I don't know. They, they, we, there was a show at the shoe shop, and uh, one of the comedians was saying about how... Uh, yeah, I think it was one of the comedians saying how many times he's been in the drunk tank. Mm-hmm. He says, I don't think I've been in as many as Mackey, and then Mackey said how many times he'd been in the drunk tank and it, and everybody was like holy crap because it was a lot and we're like holy crap really yeah i mean i love steve so i i i i just if that if that is like actually mackie fact i think that's funny but <laughs> i've been to the drunk tank a couple of, you ever been to the drunk tank never 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 i've been to the drunk tank a couple times in my life like i like like i said i got to an accident in 2000 and uh Eight, like the first day of 2008, January 1st, 2008, yeah. at like 3:30 in the morning. I was, uh, it was, it was, it just wasn't a good scene. I lost, I, I did, I lost my license and everything that time, and yeah. uh, I went to the drunk tank that time. That was, that was a fuck, that I was a fucked up did. thing. I, so fucked. I almost did. I, I was in an accident when I was drinking and driving, back years, decades ago, and uh, I, I was told, you know, like, because uh, I had someone there with me. They said, well, this guy's here with you. He can take you home. Because otherwise, if there was nobody here, you'd be in the drunk tank. Right. Thank God. Because I could hear people in the drunk tank. Oh, it's terrible, man. Yeah. Like, when I was in the drunk tank, I was in the drunk tank in a, where, I, like, like I said, I'm not going to name drop because I don't want to uh, have, like, my uh, my name just be, like, because, like, I want to help some people out. And, like, and if you talk, like, if it seems like, I don't want it to be, like, interpreted as I'm talking shit about the places. And cause, well, whatever, it's Yarmouth. <laughs> it, it's Yarmouth. I grew up in Yarmouth. Everybody knows that. I'm not yeah. a perfect angel, so I'm not going to sit down here and act like I'm a perfect angel because I'm not. And I, I, go, I went to uh, the drunk tank there, and um, there was a when I was put in the drunk tank that night. Um, I sat. I just I remember walking in. There's two other people in there, and uh, they had uh, this one one person had a shirt pulled over their face. It was like a t-shirt. And this other guy, he was there because he hit somebody head with a brick. And this other guy was in there for whatever reason. We're like, I, I just won't get into it. Yeah. But uh, 
because it's kind of like interesting what happens. And I'm, I'm in there and there's this guy in the next one across from me and he's just screaming all fucking night long. Just screaming like, ah, be out, blah, 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 blah. And from what I heard, like afterwards when I got out of it, like there was a rumor that it was my uncle. Oh. That I, and me and my uncle got into an argument. Like we were yelling back and forth at each other like, shut the fuck up, blah, 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 blah. It was one of my uncles. I won't say which one, but... Uh, <laughs> and I just I, I, and it was just kind of funny like to me like that it would because it sounded like him it sounded it sounded exactly like him like his his voice and I just yeah. and as I thought about it more as we were yelling I just I kind of stopped because I was like that sounds like my uncle I was like that's kind of weird right but anyway I fall asleep because I was like I'm not sleeping all night because yeah. it was the first time I was ever in jail right yeah because that's technically jail and I'm it is. and I'm like I'm in there and I'm just like. I don't know if I should fucking... I'm, I'm not going to sleep. I was like, I'm just not going to go to sleep. So I didn't... I was, I was like, sitting there, but I fell asleep. You know what I mean? I was drunk. <laughs> so I... So I fell asleep. It was, like, one of the worst things I've ever done in my life. And, like, I don't... I don't uh, advocate or condone, like, that type of behavior. No. Because, like, it's life-changing for people. And, like... I know... And it's a heavy topic. But, uh, anyway... So I'm... I'm but we I'm, got through it. Yeah, we got through it, and I'm laying. It, I'm I'm sitting on the floor up against the the thing, and the next morning I feel a tap on my shoulder, and I wake up. And it's my best friend, and I didn't even know he was there. He was the guy with the shirt Turn over his face. Yeah, yeah, because I and I and I was like, I know that shirt. I was like, I know that shirt. And then I wake up, and he's there. We and we left the same party that night, huh. went two different directions, and we both ended up at the same place. And we were they they held us there for 14 hours. They would not let us go because we were having too good of a time while we were there. Yeah. Like we were laughing, we were joking, we had switched c- the shirts. You know what I mean? Like he was cold, so I was like, "Oh, here, take my hoodie." And he's like, "Okay, well, you take my shirt." And this guy that's sitting in the jail with us is looking at us and going, "Like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, why are you switching clothes? Yeah, we're this, like, is this some kind of weird gay thing? Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like." <laughs> Which there's nothing wrong with that. Like no, there's nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with that at all. I mean, you know, someone that's someone's thing. But you're like, sitting in jail out. and like you see these two dudes that are just sitting there and they're 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 gravy, like they're chilling, like they're happy they see each other and they're sw- now they're switching shirts and stuff and you know what I mean? It was so crazy. Like there's like at one point we were uh we were, uh, like, I won't say too much, like, everything that happened. It was, like, because it was a rough day, too. Like, it was hard on both of us, you know what I mean? Like, to, like, keep your... Because it's hard to keep your spirits up when you're in a cement block. You know what I mean? It is, yeah. it's, it's 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 the worst. And, like, you know, I, I think about what could have been... <laughs> there's the plug. Um, I think about what could have been <laughs> if I had... Had I never had that experience. But then I think to myself, like... Because, like, it, it, it changed me. Like, that's the night that I really feel like my whole life really did, like, for the first time I had, like, some, some uh, not the first time, but as an adult, like, substantial change. I was 24 years old. You know what I mean? I had the car. I had the house. I had things going on for me a little bit, right? Yeah. And this was kind of, like, the thing that kind of, like, just fucking pulled the rug up from under me. And rightfully so. I deserved it. I, I should have never d- did that. But we were in jail, me and my friend, and we just, we, at one point... <laughs> <laughs> There's like a little window on the door and they keep opening it and closing it, opening it and closing it. And every time they closed it, it was just like, it was like soul crushing, you know? Yeah. And, but at one point, the the woman that was out there, she opens the window and me and my friend are walking around in a circle in the middle of the, of the little cell that we're in. I'm behind him, he's in front of me and we're talking just about like whatever, like just, and laughing and joking and ha ha ha, and blah, 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 right? And 
we would be in there, and uh, I remember at one point we like we both laughed really loud, and she came on the door and started like smashing on the door, telling us shut the fuck up. Like that's what she said. She said shut the fuck up. You're not supposed to be having a good time. And I was like, well, we were just kind of like, well, uh, yeah, you put my best friend here. Yeah, like well, you didn't. You know, you have to realize like we're really good friends. Like we we were just at a party drinking together. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> like. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I like. I don't know what you expect from us. Like, yeah, I know it's supposed to be punishment, but you put me in. Here yeah, like, thank I'm, you. Like, you, you, yeah. you helped us both out. Like, at in the end, and they held us there like as long as they could, and uh, like we were, and and I had this other rule too, Gary. I know this is a long story, but who cares? We got like we still got like fucking. Uh, 45, 48 minutes to talk about fucking movies, yes. but, like, we're in this, and I, I know I'm just, like, going off on this, but it's, like, no, it's kind of no, funny no. to tell the story, right, and, uh, I'm sit- we're sitting there, and I have this thing, me and my friend, and I say to him, I'm like, my stomach starts rumbling, and I'm like, oh, God, no, no, and I was like, I need to take a shit, like, I need to take a shit so bad, I need to take a shit, and I but said to my friend, and I said, no, it was because it was a jail toilet. That's what I'm saying. It's that yeah, toilet. Yeah, exactly. Shit in front of everybody. Yeah, and I said to my friend, because it it's the toilet sink combo. Yeah. Like, the toilet is hooked to the sink. I know the one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm like I, I said to him, I'm like, bro, I am not taking a shit in here. I was like, I'm a criminal if I take a shit in here. I was like, if I take a shit in here, I've accepted my life. I've accepted what's going to happen. I've, ex- I've accepted the circumstances, and I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I'm not going it's, to do that. It's opening the door, and you don't want to open it. Right. Like, I just don't want to be, like, all the way in at this point. Like, I'm halfway in just because I'm here and I'm locked up. But if I take it, for some reason, taking a shit in there meant to me that I was going to be, <laughs> that I was going to be just, like, it was going to be fucked. Like, I, I was like, that, that it would change me, like, so, so drastically that I'd never be able to recover. And I can see that. Yeah, you know, like, it was it was so fucked. And he laughed at me all day because he knew and that uh, that I needed to, and I would be walking around and walking around, and then letting little farts go that were like they were just terrible, like they were they were not good because I'd been drinking the night, like I said, drinking yeah, the night beer before, farts. beer farts, wine farts, like tequila, everything. Like I was, I was like I should, like I said, like I'm not really sounding like I'm like really good over at this moment talking about this, like but this is one of those things that like you look back in your life and you're like not proud about, but you're not like you can kind of like. I know it's not. It's not bad enough. You'd be ashamed about it, but it's not. It's not good enough. That you'd be proud of it. Yeah, I'm not proud of it at all because like of the people involved and like having to say like you know I'm sorry and like and I kn- I don't feel bad for having to say I'm sorry because I was wrong and I shouldn't and I shouldn't. They deserved apologies, right? And I gave them to them. Sorry, I was like I, I, I like I, I love podcasting, like but like. And the, so, the, yeah, I don't want it to make it sound like I'm downplaying the the severity of like what was what had happened. No, but the it's reasons the after fact. Yeah, it was, yeah, this is like after you're done, like you've went through the ordeal, and this is like what part of your punishment, right? Like this was the best part of the punishment for me because after this, I had like a really big fall, like a really big dip in my life where I just I I was I was lost. I was like felt like I had no legs. I lost my job. You know, like it led to a lot of different things. It was like the calm before the storm. Yeah, you know, and uh, anyway, and we're in there, and, and I'm so yeah. Just so people who are listening, I just want that to be known. Like, I, I I don't condone that type of behavior. I don't think that people should be doing that. If you're doing that, you are being an idiot, and you should stop as soon as possible because you may not think that it's going to happen to you, but it will happen to you. Okay, because we all have this like fucking crazy sense of invincibility that 
shit won't happen to us. Yeah. And yeah, like like I said, you're 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 a, a wiser man, Carrie. You know. Yeah. Like you know that that's not true. Like shit happens to people. You it know does. What I, mean? I mean, you you could have a perfect life. I mean, I keep looking at these celebrities that know better than to be drinking and driving and then you see them drinking and driving and, mm-hmm. and you're thinking what the hell is your problem you've got yeah. everything you've got tons of money for making these movies mm-hmm. you've got all these people clamoring for your attention yeah and then you go out and you get in a car and you get in an accident drinking and driving like yeah. why the hell are you doing that? yeah when you can afford a chauffeur yeah, yeah. Or, or you can afford to have like a cab take you you can af- you've got the kind of money you can afford to say to a cab driver i'm in la take me to new york and they could afford to have you drive them across the country and you still get in the car and you get in an accident when you're drinking and driving because it's it's not it's not about that it's about you just not giving a shit yeah like for like with like I don't know like for me it was like it was a weird thing because it's like it was something like just so out of the norm of what I was normally doing because like not that type of person like I'm a, I'm a homebody right like I like yeah. to stay home and I like to be around people that make me feel comfortable and and I like, I just like feeling safe, right? Like, and I feel safe at my house. When I have a house, when I have an apartment, I feel safe, right? And that's kind of what it was. And like, like you said, that that's a really good point. It's like, but when you're, when you're drinking and, and you're in it, like you don't give a fuck. And it's, it's the, it's like the shittiest, most like exhilarating feeling in the world to like not give a fuck. You know, when you know you should be giving a fuck, but you can like kind of like justify it to your own brain why you can't, you can say, oh, I, I don't care about this, this is bullshit, I, well, I mean, I'm going home, fuck off. Part of the reason why I drank was that I didn't want to give a shit, mm-hmm. and I did, I, and I still, to this day, I still do care too much about things I shouldn't, Yeah. and I worry too much about things that I shouldn't, yeah. and so drinking was a way of saying, oh, I don't care anymore, I, yeah. I, I, once I drank, nothing bothered me, so I could yeah. relax, and it, it wasn't in my head anymore. Yeah, but I, I've learned that like all that does is just uh, just delay the inevitable, and you still have to think about it. I drank because of my friends. That's why I drank. I drank because I wanted to fit in with my friends, and I thought that that was the way that you made friends. And then once I started drinking liquor, and like I don't drink now. I haven't drank in eight years, probably, mm-hmm. and not even not a drop. Right? Like yeah. I don't. I haven't even took like a little like a sniff. You yeah. know what I mean? I just I, I I can't do it. It's just not something I can wrap my head around anymore. I don't like doing it. I don't like how it makes me feel. No. And like, but like, like I said, like going back to the story was like this, like doing in there, like, you know, I'm sitting in there and like, just, it was, this is like all part of like that outlandishness, like of like trying to like maintain and just like vibe on a like positive vibe just to like get through the situation that I was in sitting in this fucking hole of a room with nothing but concrete fucking benches and shit and my friends there. And we're like, I said, it was like, it turned into be like calm before the storm, good time, whatever. And uh, and I and I kept telling him like I'm not shitting in here. I am not taking a shit in here. And he just laughed at me and laughed at me. Thought it was funny, right? And then at one point he said to me, he goes, uh, "Bro, uh, I need to take a shit." And I was like, I was thinking to myself, "Hey, we're bros to the end on this, right? Like, no one's taking a shit in here. We're not criminals." <laughs> and he looked at me and said, "I'm not waiting till I get out." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? He's like, I'm not waiting till I get out. I was like, are you fucking serious? Like, I thought we had a pact. You know what I mean? Like, we had a shit pact, yes. right? That there was going to be no shitting in here because we're not criminals, right? And he's like, he's like, 
Yeah, he's like, no, no. He's like, you can you can do whatever you want with your with what you're doing. He's like, but I'm not sitting here like uh, fighting off taking a shit all day. I'm not doing it. Yeah, he's like, I don't know when they're gonna let. It. Not mine. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I'm not gonna. I'm not sitting in here. I don't know when they're gonna let us out. So I'm not gonna sit in here for the next 10, 12 hours fighting off, fighting off, fighting off the shit, right? Exactly. And then uh, we had to ask for toilet paper, and they gave they gave us they gave like four four squares of toilet paper. I was, uh, it was ridiculous. And then I'm just like, I was like, you're seriously doing this? And he's like, yeah. And I had to go and stand up against the door, face to out the door, like while he took a shit behind me. And I'm just like, this is the fucking like lowest. Point I've ever been to in my entire life. I don't know how much lower you get to being in the same room with your friend taking a shit standing while you're standing back too. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just <laughs> I couldn't believe like I couldn't believe it, right? And like I've always been like captivated like with jail. You know, like jail I don't know, does it does jail intrigue you? No. Okay. Like I think that's a normal response for people. I I'd hope well, it well, is. Well no, everybody has their things like I mean I, I know from being on the other side of it all like what it's because I mean they used to guard the people came, coming out of prison all the time mm-hmm. and not pleasant people so I never never had any interest in being in there and then I for a couple of times uh, for about a two week period uh, about eight years ago I guarded the um, uh, the courthouses on uh, on the waterfront you know where the, where the ferry terminal is yeah there's the courthouse there and it's got the jail cells in there and I would go in the basement on my rounds and mm-hmm. I would go in those jail cells so I know the toilet you're talking about with the sink combo yes yeah, toilet sink combo yeah and I see those things and I'm like I never want to be in here oh it was, it's never, horrible ever. it's horrible I was in there another time like six months later for something else it's too long of a story and I'm not going to go into it but we were trying to get water from them and they wouldn't give us any water they kept saying uh, use the sink use the sink and we were like, no, uh, like this water's not good. I don't think like it. It doesn't look good. And they were like, use a sink. And my friend, he, uh, it was a different friend at this time. He spit in the sink, and we watched the spit come through. Yeah. Like we watched it come back through, and we were like yelling to them, hey, like they told us, uh, like, and when I was in there with the uh, the drunk tank for with my other friend, I was talking with the shit packed one. Like they gave us cups and said, don't don't ruin your cup. That's what they said to us. Hold yeah. on to your cup, but they wouldn't give us any water in it. You know what I mean? And then they did that to us like a few months later when I was there too. Okay. Let's uh, like, this is kind of, this is getting interesting now because like, this is kind of opening up something. This is going in a direction I didn't expect it to go in, which I'm actually pretty excited about. Like, what is your favorite, uh, like what's your favorite prison film? Favorite prison film? Uh, Longest Yard probably. The Longest Yard? Yeah, that's a good, the newest one with Adam Sandler or the both, old one with Burt Reynolds? Okay. I preferred the Burt Reynolds one, but the the one with Adam Sandler was still fun. Oh, I pref- I prefer Burt Reynolds too. Burt Reynolds is amazing. Yeah. My favorite one, uh, for a pri- as far as it goes with prison movies, there's two actually. Um, one is um, Murder in the First, okay. with Christian Slater, and Kevin Bacon. Okay. I don't know if you've seen that one. Is that the one where Kevin Bacon's on death row? He's not on death row, but he's in Alcatraz. Okay. He's in Alcatraz, and. Uh, He's in Alcatraz, and he's, like, it's about, like, uh, him getting, like, severely beaten by, like, the the warden. Okay. The warden takes it out on him, and he, like, it's just, it's so sad. So, like, when I think of watching sad movies, I watch that movie because it's sad, but it's, like, good sad. Because there's a difference, right? Yeah. Like, there's some movies, like, I can't, I just can't watch because they're too sad. Like, sometimes Patch Adams is just too much for me. 
Yeah, you know what I mean. It's a it's a funny movie, and then it gets really sad really quick. Yeah, at the end, like at yeah. the end, like when everything just goes to shit. Like that's what like kills Patch Adams. But the other one, prison film. Like there's so many good prison films too, right? Like, but one of them, and this kind of like goes into this because we can have a topic. We can talk about this for like the next little while. Is the Shawshank Redemption, which is an absolutely it's fantastic fantastic film. film, and it's like the. Do you know that it was going to be different? Oh, yeah. Like, they originally... Like, I deep-dived the Shawshank Redemption, and, like, I don't... Uh, like, I'll, I'll... Like, I do an intro... I don't know if you've listened to my podcast yet or not, but um, I, I do, like, an intro of, like, you know, I read out, like, what the movie is, and, like... The, so when I go to do that this time, I'll put in, like, like what the budget was and all this, and it was a commercial success. Probably be a little bit longer of an intro. Yeah. But this one, like, when I looked it up, Tom Hanks was supposed to play... Um, uh, Andy Dufresne. Yeah, which I could see. Yeah, but, but could you? Yeah, I could see it because what? Because Tom Hanks can do anything. No, he can't, he man. He can, but I mean, I, it, it, I'm Tim, so Rob- sick Tim of this. Robbins was was a better choice. Tim Robbins was like the un like the they they didn't appreciate what they had until they noticed what they had after it became a classic. Like, of course, Morgan Freeman was going to work in that film because Morgan Freeman is just a great actor, period. He was established at that time, too. Tim Robbins, I feel like he was established, too, but not to the same degree as Morgan Freeman. No, because, I mean, Tim Tim was seen more as a comic actor. Who, so, Tim Robbins? Tim Robbins, yeah. Really? Well, yeah, because, I mean, like, he'd done the, play, he'd done the what, the, the uh, Tom Roberts or Bob Roberts and then he done sure. uh, you know, the one where he was the politician. Oh no, I, I want to say Tucker, but that's Jeff Bridges, isn't it? That's Jeff Bridges. Yeah, no, yeah. this is the one. Uh, uh, Tim Robbins wrote this movie, and it was about a politician. Uh, he was he was like a Bob Dylan kind of conservative, and okay. it was about him becoming president. He was running for president in this movie, Jack Black's first film scene, I think, in a film. Okay, and it's it's one of the most amazing films you've ever seen. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's supposed to be a documentary on this guy's life. I think I know... What the, uh, not, no, it's not that. I was going to say the Players Club, but that's like... That's, it's something... Uh, oh, I, I think I know what you mean. It's, it's going to drive me nuts. Yeah, but I mean... Like, he was more popular in the 80s, though, Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins was very popular in the 80s. His first movie he ever did was the one I loved that everybody hated was uh, Howard the Duck. I love Howard the Duck. Yeah, yeah. That Howard was his the Duck first, was good. That was Tim Robbins' first movie, and it was a comedy. And, like, he was a scientist, was, yeah. Yeah, and every movie he, he did, like he did Tape Heads with uh, Cusack. Mm. He did, um, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other comedies he did. Like, he was mostly on, in comedies. Bull Durham. Bull Durham. Bull Durham was a really good movie. Yeah, which I've never seen. Really? I've never seen Bull wow. Durham. Wow. Yeah, no, that's a really good one. That's one of, like, Kevin Costner's really good ones. Yeah, I mean, I've heard so many things about... I mean, if that's, I think that's where Tim met... Uh, Susan Sarandon, Susan yeah. Susan Sarandon. That is where he met her, yeah. And so, they were married for a lot of years. They're divorced now. But. Yeah, they were, yeah. But, I mean, that's that's the thing is that you've got, you know, Tim Robbins, who sort of proved himself by doing Shawshank that he could be a serious actor. Because, I mean, I think he did a couple of serious movies, but no one took those seriously. But I think Shawshank was his way of saying, like, I'm a serious actor. I think that, like, the reason why Tom Hanks couldn't do that movie is because he wouldn't have uh, posed the same... um, He wouldn't have... I don't know if that's the right way to say it, posed, but... You don't think he could be as threatening as as sort of... Unthreatening. Not threatening. He would be more threatening than Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins had a vulnerability about him. Like, you believed, like, he was the nerdy guy that 
got sent to jail and would have a problem. Like, you would assume that he would, might have a problem if he went in there. People would assume that he's weak or, you know, like the sisters did in yeah. the, in, in the, uh, in, in, in that film. Um, my, um, like, my, this is like, in this film, like, The Shawshank Redemption, I have three brothers, not the brother after me, but the brother, the third brother, me and him, like, this is like our film that we always quote, we always talk about because it's just like, it's just like, we, we, for some reason, we just like this film. Like, yeah. it, it, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to go too much into what my, what my brothers are and stuff. Cause like, I, I, I have respect for them and, um, stuff like that. But like, I just don't think Tom, I think that Tom Hanks would have been, I just don't think he would have been able to do it. I think it would have been a different movie. Just like with the whole, like, like. Like with um, the Mr. Rogers movie, like I don't understand why he was the guy that they picked. Like I would have went with a Bill Hader, you know what I mean? I always said a Bill Hader or somebody else, you know? Like really? Yes. Tom Hanks is like so overhyped, man. So overhyped. See, the thing is, like I thought with, with and you heard about all the stuff that he's been involved with lately too. Yeah, but I mean, like with with Tom Hanks. I I see him as is perfect for the role because not only did they find out afterwards he's related to Mister Rogers, but he's got that like father figure kind. I of I did fig- not know that. You did not know that. No, I didn't. No, they when they did the movie, they did a DNA test because uh, you know they did that DNA test to see what your you know your ancestry is and all that, and they did a test or something like that, or they or they checked the family history and they said, did you know that you're actually related to Mister Rogers? And they're like, everybody's like, holy crap! They mm-hmm. couldn't have picked a better person for the movie because he is. In that bloodline, and I mean, he is like to a lot of people in America, he is their father figure because they've grown up with Tom Hanks. Oh, I get it. I get and it. So for them, like this is Mister Rogers was all like over a the father. world, all over the world. Yeah, there was probably a lot of kids growing up in America that looked at Mister Rogers as that father that they didn't have if they didn't have a father. Well, we had Mister Dress Up in Canada. We had Mister Dress Up in yeah, Canada, but I mean, a lot of kids in in, in Canada also had Mister Rogers. Rogers as well. Yeah, I watched Mister Rogers. Yeah, because well, see, I grew up with Mister Rogers because Mister Rogers was on after school, and Mister Dress Up was during school, and I couldn't see him during school, mm-hmm. so it was always after school. And yeah, that was Mister Rogers. Yeah, but you know, for Tom Hanks to do that role for the for Mister Rogers, that made sense. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's a father figure with Tim Robbins. He made more sense to do Shawshank because with Shawshank, he's a vulnerable person that you could see could be easily affected. Where with Tom Hanks, you'd be sitting there going, "Okay, when's he going to get revenge?" Right? Because you knew Tom Hanks would be the kind of person he's not going to fuck around. He's going to get back at somebody. Well, but Tim, you're like, "Oh shit, he's never going to get back at these guys that are beating the fuck out of him." No, like yeah, you would you would you would assume that like that Tim is going to be like, ha- and he did. Yeah. Had the rough time that he did. I don't think that you would. It would have been as believable to have like a Tom Hanks, like because in all of his movies, like he's played cops or he's played, um, you know, just like different characters, right? Where, but he always figures it out, right? Like it's always on him. Where well, well, he kind of always figures it out. Tim Robbins was just kind of like moving through the motions in that film. Yeah, like he was basically going through everything because there's nothing you could do but be carried along on the tide of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, like if you took Bill Hader and put him in the Mr. Rogers film, I would never have taken it seriously because I would have been looking at Bill Hader going, okay, this is your impression of Mr. Oh, Rogers. Oh, come on, man. That's because you're an impressionist. Well, yeah, but so is Bill. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's that comes that opinion comes deep down from being an impressionist yourself. Well, you look at Paul when Bill Hader was in Paul. I kept looking for the funny things, and when Bill Hader got serious, I didn't like it. 
Mm-hmm. Because to me, it was like that's so out of character for Bill Hader. And have I you seen Barry with Bill Hader? I've heard of it. I, I have never watched it. Oh, it's probably not like like as you say, you only watched like uh, you only watched comedy for the most part, like you said. Yeah, right? and I've never. I mean, I heard so much about how great he is in. in Barry's great, but it's intense. Like there's like there's yeah. a lot of intensity, and like shows his range as a, as a as a as an actor. Yeah, which which I give him credit for. And the same is, but the thing is, to me, this it sounds like a, a TV version of Gross Point Blank. And I don't think that Tom Hanks and Morgan Freeman would have any chemistry. I think I I, I don't think that they would have. Uh, I think the fact. Well, I don't think they would have either. And like I don't deny I don't deny that the movie was perfect with Tom with Tom. Uh, I forgot his name. Tim Robbins? Tim Robbins. It was perfect with him, with me, in my opinion. It was perfect. I don't deny that. It was perfect. But, I mean, I'm just saying I don't see... It couldn't have been with Tom Hanks, but I know I would... Knowing Tom, you know, Tim... Tim... Robbins. Tim Robbins. Well, he's not He's not a common name anymore, man. No, but I mean, I, I, I just five, ten minutes ago, I could remember his name. Now I can't remember Well, you're trying to get your opinion out, too, because I do talk over quite a bit. So, But, but like, Tim Robbins, like, I, I, like, there's nobody I could see doing the part now. No. And, like, if they made the movie with Tom Hanks, I could see the movie being made with Tom Hanks, but I would not like it. Mm-mm. I would have said, this is not a good movie. No. You know, because... I just, uh, like, Tom Hanks reminds me more of a prison guard than he reminds me of a prisoner. Yeah. Okay, like that's well, I mean, because I mean, like you look at him and when he did uh, Green Mile. Green Mile is a great movie. That was that was exactly what he should have done. He yeah. was perfect in that role as, yeah. as as the as the lead character. Yeah, you know. But then that's that, that's the thing about Tom Hanks. You, you have to like Tom Hanks most of the time. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't he does villains, but I mean, you really don't like to see him as a villain as much as you like to see him as the good a, guy. A good guy. Yeah, because he is such a good guy in real yeah. life. Well, I don't know if he's a good guy in real life, but... Well, I mean, anytime I've seen anything about him in real life, he's been a good guy. Like, Have you been hearing about this stuff lately? Like, that he's been... Uh, that he, like, purchased a young, like, 14-year-old girl, and well, I mean, she was, like, his living uh, doll and shit like that. And I mean, I've... I've all I this s- conspiracy shit that's been out about him. I see conspiracy shit, but, I mean, like, there's so much stuff that people And he's say. moving... And, he, and now he has his, uh... He has his, uh... He has his, uh... Resident, he's like a permanent resident of Greece now. Yeah, no, that's he's not. Like, no, it, it, but it showed him. It showed him with a picture with his with his passport for Greece. Yeah, right. And they treat um, what he's being accused of there, like, because I don't want to get too fucking deep on this, but like, um, yeah, but I mean, they're not. I mean, like, Greece is not going to allow people to do that kind of stuff. Well, they treat it as a mental disorder. Yeah, I mean, like, right. but you're, the thing is, like, here it's a crime. Yeah, but the thing is, if you are if you're that big of a celebrity, you can get away with what you want. Like you've heard the story about Jimmy Page. No, Jimmy Page actually abducted a 14 year old girl and held her at his house until she was old enough to be seen with him in public. That's crazy. And he got away with that. Yeah, there's a few of them that got away with it, but like but Jerry I mean, like, Lee Lewis. Well, J- no, Jerry Lee Lewis married his 13 year old cousin because that was perfectly legal. Really? That was legal. As long as same with that Courtney Sodden, as long as you have the parents' permission in certain country, in certain counties in the states, it's perfectly legal to marry a young, an, an underage person. Okay, whatever. And, and Jerry Lee Lewis was from the South, and it was perfectly acceptable for him to marry a thirteen-year-old, as long as her parents agreed. And her parents agreed because they said, "Fuck, it's Jerry Lee Lewis. Of course, we're gonna let you marry. You know, and, and, and it's his cousin. But yeah, of course, they're gonna let him marry his cousin because they don't care." Well, it is the South. It um. is the South. <laughs> And that's the thing is that like I, every time I hear these conspiracy theories about like people being pedophiles and all that, it's like you know there's there's going to be a lot of people out there that are like R. Kelly. 
Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like that's yeah. that like that's. I don't want to talk about that. I know exactly what you mean, and I should never. I should never got ran in that direction with it because, yeah. like, I mean, that's attacking someone's personal character, and I don't want to be. Yeah, I mean, unless unless you get arrested for it. Yeah. I I'd leave it alone because yeah. you, you know just like, because your name has been in, like put on a list doesn't mean your name should be on the list. Yeah, but I mean, I you look that. at the things that Tom Hanks has done that you've seen. Oh, yeah. And, like... Uh, They've pretty wholesome things. Yeah, like, you heard about the little boy that was bullied that he gave a typewriter to? No, no, I never Tom heard Hanks, of that. Tom Hanks is huge in typewriters. He loves typewriters. Mm-hmm. He, like, uh, he loves the whole manual type. He's got a collection of them. Yeah. And there's this little boy in Australia whose name is Corona. Mm-hmm. And he got bullied by his friends because his name's Corona. And he sent a letter to Tom Hanks saying how he hoped he was doing okay because he heard he had the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And then he mentioned he got bullied. And Tom Hanks sent him a Corona typewriter from his collection and said, I expect you to write me back now. We're now friends. Right. And everybody was like, holy shit, what a nice thing to do. Yeah, that's a great thing to do. But he definitely would not have killed it in the Shawshank Redemption. No, no, no. That's what there I'm saying. There is just like, no I, way. I, like, I'm saying I would see him in the part. I wouldn't have liked the movie as much. No. But I could see him in the part. And the I, same like, as, like I said, I don't see him and Morgan Freeman having very much chemistry. No. Because they're both powerful power power actors. It, it wouldn't have been the same dynamic. And no. I, I, no, I'm, I'm, never, I'm not saying I would see him and I would prefer Tom Hanks. I'm saying I could see him doing the role, but I wouldn't. Well, you know William Baldwin? Or is his name William Baldwin? Or what was that guy? You know the blonde guy in, in, a, in a Shawshank that wins all the cigarettes? Oh, crap. Um, His name's William Sadler, or... No, William Sadler was the one who played Death in Bob and Ted, or Bill and Ted. That's who I'm talking about. That's the guy. Yeah, that's the guy. William Sadler? Okay, William Sadler, yeah. Him. Like, he's... I considered him a really powerful actor, too. Oh, yeah. Right? But... He had good chemistry with those guys. You know what I mean? Like, he had good chemistry. He played his part well. And, like, I found that, like, in that film, if they would have had Tom Hanks in the film, you would have always tried to see, like, you. I think the competition would have been more obvious. Yeah. Between the actors, right? Yeah. Well, that's why I said, like, I, I could see Tom Hanks doing the role, but it wouldn't have been as good a movie as Tom, as Tim, or Tim Robbins, because Tim Robbins is that role and mm-hmm. it was the perfect casting but then it's funny how you can watch a movie uh, you know and have the expectation like when when Batman came out with Michael Keaton people screamed about Michael Keaton being Batman like he would be terrible he'd be the worst Batman ever mm-hmm. people yeah. were up and down about how horrible he was going to be that's true and he turned out to be really really good yeah. and then people were surprised the same with like Jack Nicholson everyone's like Jack Nicholson is a joker yeah. Look, no no don't do that and then he did it and everybody's like wow it was the same thing with Heath Ledger too. Well, yeah, and he, yeah. same Heath Ledger. Oh, he's a he's a pretty boy. He's not going to do you know what's he going to do like flounce around. Yeah, and no, he did a fantastic job as, as the Joker. I mean, but that's sometimes you know you it's it's what you see and what you get. Like originally, Casablanca was going to be Ronald Reagan. <laughs> and imagine Ronald Reagan, you know, doing you know the whole you know. It was Humphrey Bogart that did that, right? Humphrey Bogart was, and, and it was like. It was a second. It, it was a second choice because it was originally going to be Ronald Reagan as you know, and I can't see that whole, you know, the whole, you know, uh, you know, like you know, you're going to get on that plane and you're going to regret it. Maybe not today, but for the rest of your life. You're looking at you, uh, kid. You know. Oh you, yeah, yeah. You know, you couldn't. You couldn't I wasn't part of that. I don't remember that Reagan. Those Reagan years because I was only well, in yeah, the '80s. I was like, for that. yeah, I was like seven years old. Like, but I mean, in I, 1990. Like, there's a lot of movies I've read about that they they're going to cast people, and you're like, seriously? 
Because every time I go on Internet Movie Database, the IMDb, I always look up the trivia, and they'll always say like original choices for this movie were so so. Yeah, that's what the whole that's what the whole basis of this podcast is. Yeah, that's what it all is. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, uh, Back to the Future with Eric Stoltz first. Yeah. Uh, you know, they wanted Michael J. Fox, they couldn't get him. They used Eric Stoltz. They realized it wasn't working, and they actually stopped production and said, "We're not going to do the movie unless Michael J. Fox does it." Yeah. And and half the movie was done. Yeah, and, yeah. They, and they ended up they had to scrap everything and start over again, and that was a big risk. Because Eric Stoltz wasn't funny. Well, it wasn't that he wasn't funny. He just wasn't as comedic an actor as, like, as because he took things too seriously. Yeah, yeah, he's a serious guy. He was, like, a serious guy. Michael J. Fox is... Michael J. Fox is in a new show, you know? I did not know. Yeah, he's a, he's back on television. He's in a... He's playing a lawyer, and I can't remember what the show's name is, but I seen it on uh, television the other day. And that's... You know that Hollywood's fucking suffering when they're when they're going out and pulling old Mikey Mikey J. Fox off the off the shelf and saying, Well, you we'll, never know. Like, we'll let you play a role. Well, he's done a lot of good cameos as a lawyer. Because wasn't, well, wasn't he in Arrested Development as a lawyer or something like that? I'm not sure. I, I know he did a cameo as a lawyer a little while ago for some show. I love Michael J. Fox. I make fun of Michael J. Fox a lot. Like I, I remember in my stand in in like my sets with stand up, um, I would I would used to make uh, write a lot of jokes about Michael J. Fox and his like his his condition. Yeah. And like in this age that we live in now, where it's like not as acceptable to like make fun of those types of things anymore. Yeah. But it was never about making fun of Michael J. Fox. I always said that to about it. It was always about making light. Of Michael J. Fox, yeah. it was, it was, and I mean, I don't even know if light is the right word to say, but I had so I have so much respect for Michael J. Fox. Like Michael J. Fox, to me, had he stayed healthy, there'd be no Tom Hanks. You know what I mean? Like it would be Michael J. Fox in all those films yeah. in in the early '90s and stuff like that. But once he, like, you know what I mean? I'm just not like I used to be a Tom Hanks guy. You know, like I used to be a Tom Hanks fan. I. I would still say that I am, like I, like I said, because like when we were talking about that heavier stuff earlier, like I just, I just, like we could talk about that, but like it, it's not conducive to what we're, what I'm trying to accomplish, I guess. Um, with like, like I want this to be like lighthearted to yeah. a point, and, like I want people to like think about it, like and think and like kind of think to themselves, you know, like what when they think of Shawshank Redemption, I'd like them to have like a reference where they could like think back and be like, you know, Tom Hanks almost played. There's another other actors too, but I just can't Google anything right now because we're in a fucking dead zone. We are. You know, so um you know, like because there's other actors that they wanted in, involved and like because like what I noticed in my deep dive with a lot of the things, a lot of the different films that I did, um the actors were characterized like together and like three actors that used to always end up on the same casting table was Bill Murray, Robin Williams and Michael Keaton. Yeah. Each film that they were at, like the films that they were up for, those guys were, were like the ones that, that were like the other options, like on the table, like who do we push ahead kind of thing. Like yeah. I, I did a cast the other day about groundhog day and uh, how they wanted Michael Keaton to play Phil Connors. And I could see that. You could see that? Oh, God, I should I add could, you. I could see that, but again, it's... it's, it's not he's too tough. Problem. He's too tough. That's what I said on the cast yesterday. Yeah, but look at Mr. Mom and then look at that. Yeah, he's too tough. He was he was tough in Mr. Mom. He wasn't. He was a, he was a, he was a mess. In, and, and look at him in... Uh, did you ever see the movie he did with Henry Winkler uh, about they were pimps? I don't know. I did not. Night Shift. No, I didn't see that one. That... 
Yeah, you have to see Nightmare. He's too tough, man. No, 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 All no, the no, stuff no. that I've ever seen Michael Keaton in, Michael T- Keaton. Because just, you're post-Batman. He, he's got, like, that scary... Yeah, that too. You're that po- too. I mean, like, when I saw I remember him... This the, fucking, I, saw, I remember this fucking... When this I used to a, drive down here, it's such a bitch of a fucking swerve. Nova Scotia roads, Highway 7, all the way up going towards Sherbrooke. I don't know why the fuck you would ever just not build a bridge. <laughs> like, well, because it's expensive. It's, yeah, it's yeah. true. More money. But, you know, if you look at... Uh, you look at... See, see, for it's like John Lithgow. Like I was talking to somebody about John Lithgow back oh when back you were talking when, to me about it. We were on a on a previous drive. Yeah, yeah. and we were talking because I mean I saw him in comedy movies before he was in serious roles, and he was going to do Third Rock from the Sun. And and I said to somebody, I'm looking forward to this, and they said he can't do that. He's a serious actor, and I said, No, he's been in comedies. They they'd never seen it before because mm-hmm. all they'd ever seen was him playing the villain in, in movies. Like Ricochet. Yeah, so they saw him in that, and they said, he can't be a comedy actor. But, hell, he was in comedies. Like, he was in Buckaroo Banzai. He was in uh, World According to Garb. He, you know, was all these comedy roles he was in before he was the serious actor. So people couldn't see him doing Third Rock and being a comedian. But I knew he could. But that's the same with, with Michael Keaton. Anybody that's seen him after Batman sees him as this serious brooding which is the reason why I said in the the, the like the, the, the cast the other day that's the reason why Groundhog Day would have failed yeah but see I remember him from Night Shift with with Henry Winkler and he was he was the comedy character and he was a freaking like nut bar what did you what was that movie that he was in with uh, Christopher Lloyd and all those it was it was him in a mental institution I can't remember what it's called right now and it's like they go, they take the guys out in the van to go to the baseball game. Is that the one where they become advertising executives or something like that? No. And they, they, they take, like, they, they're supposed to take them out. It's like a, a counselor, and he takes out, like, all these uh, mentally, like, mentally, uh, I don't see, you have to be so fucking sensitive well, about you everything. Take Look at that. From a mental institution, yeah. There was a deer right there. Was there? Yeah, right to your it. left. I missed it. It just jumped, it's just, just jumped in the, in the woods. Uh, okay. But, um, I can't remember what it was called. I can't remember what it was called now, but it's a great movie. And Michael Keaton's in it, and he plays, like, the tough, like, the tough, crazy guy. And, uh, like, and I also heard a lot, too, about Michael Keaton. Like, it's like, I've been, I've been kind of harping on this for, like, a couple days now. Because I'm a Michael Keaton fan, don't get me wrong, but he was a stand-up comedian in the 80s. And they said he was actually a really good stand-up comedian in the 80s. Yeah. I don't remember that. Billy Crystal was. But I don't remember Michael Keaton being a stand-up comedian. Yeah, Billy Crystal was. Yeah, but I I, I read somewhere. I don't know. I can't think of where it was right now. Yeah, I'd have to Um, to think about that because I don't remember Michael Keaton ever being a stand-up. I remember him being on... Can you imagine Billy Crystal on the Shawshank Redemption? Like, like I could actually see it. I couldn't. I could see it, but it would be different. Or, like, Daniel Stern or someone, like... Daniel Stern, I could see. Like, Daniel Stern would have really, like, brought something to it. Like, that... Because, like, we can talk... Like, this is all about hypotheticals, right? Yeah. Like, and, you know, like... Daniel Stern is, like, one of those guys that people really look over. You know what I mean? Just because of... They think Daniel Stern, they think Home Alone. You know? Yeah. And I don't... I don't... Well, see, you're Unfair. stuck with your, you're, you're stuck with your most famous role, and that's the problem with with any movie you make. If you make a really good action movie, uh, then that's all they ever see you is. Yeah, see that? Yeah, raccoon, raccoon. I can see that. Whenever you make a really good movie, that's what people do. They automatically assume that's all you're ever going to do. Is, that's what happened with Michael Keaton. Yeah. yeah, and that's I get that. 
you know, and and it happened with Michael Keaton because once he did Batman, everybody wanted him to be in action films. And yeah. I mean, I, when you look at the Spider-Man movie when he played the Vulture, mm-hmm. I, that was like he was the most intimidating, scariest motherfucker I'd ever seen in any movie yeah. in my life. And in the scene where he's in the car and he realizes that Peter Parker realizes who he is and they realize who each other are, mm-hmm. that to me was the most intense scene I've ever seen in a in a film. I um, might have to watch that now that I know that Michael Keaton's in it. What the the Spider-Man with you Tom Holland. You didn't see Holland. that one? No, I don't like oh, Spider-Man. Oh shit! I shouldn't have ruined that for you. Then. No, that's fine. It's not. It's not, it's not. It's not ruining it. I don't. I don't. Uh... No, he's. As, I mean, and the thing is, like, he's. It's a perfect. He's a perfect character in that. You know, you just. It's unbelievable how great he is. I mean, more than Tom Holland. I. I watched the movie and I came out with a new appreciation of Michael Keaton compared to Tom Holland because Tom Holland did an excellent job as Spider-Man. He seems more like he Spider-Man is, should be. Yes. Yes. He like I say like I like I'll talk shit about this, like Toby Maguire all day long. I don't like Toby Maguire at all. I don't like his films. I don't like The Great Gatsby was like the one of the worst fucking things I've ever seen in my life. With yeah, the, with so which the, I've never watched. Yeah, yeah. Don't watch the one with Leonardo DiCaprio. And no. It's not good at all. The I've old never one's even, better. I've never even watched the one with Robert Redford. Redford. It's not. It's not my kind of movie. Yeah. Well, the one with Redford's a lot better, but um, <clears throat> they could have did. Uh, they could have uh, used. Uh, a lot better of casting choices in the, in that film. I feel like that was one of those things where they were all kind of like just breaking out at the same time and just like oh let's or or, or an Omi film, you know, like some of those some people do like that. But yeah, yeah. So I mean, I guess that what oh, I thought my phone died. Shit, no, it didn't. But uh, I guess like so it, uh, when it comes to the Shawshank Redemption, like you know what I mean. The film could not have been any better, and that's what I've been finding, like, noticing with, like, a lot of the films that I've been talking about or thinking about. Like, there's not one film yet that I've, that I've said, except for one that's coming up, and two, actually, like, the other ones, there's, there is some ones that are coming up. Like, the Batman, there's gonna be a Batman cast, and, like, I did the Batman, I, I tried to do it before with, uh, our, our good friend, Travis Lindsay, I tried to do it with him, and he changed my whole perspective on Batman. So, like, I can't wait to, like, jump into that one. And, like, this one was kind of random. I didn't expect to stand here and talk about Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Because, like, there's just, like, so many different films. Like, there's so many scenes in Shawshank, I just, for me, that I just don't think that Tom Hanks could have pulled off. I don't think that Tom Hanks could have pulled off the interactions with the warden. I don't think that Tom Hanks could have pulled off being a victim to the sisters. I don't think that he could have did... I just don't think he could have did it. Well, no, but that's why I said, like, Tim Robbins was the better choice. Yeah. And I agree. Yeah. But I'm saying... Like, he was a gamble, for sure. Yeah. But, I, well, I, you know what? I think I think it was the perfect casting, but I think that the fact that they, they would have put Tom Hanks in, it would have worked, but it wouldn't have worked as well. No. And that's why, because I'm saying, like, I can see what your point is, and I agree. Yeah. But I could also see at the same time that there are aspects of the movie I think that he could have pulled off. Yeah. Okay, well, we got, like... 10 minutes left because this thing only records for an hour and that's usually what I try to keep it to is just an hour yeah so um we we we, we've talked about that um so let's take like the next 10 minutes to talk about you Carrie and like um like if we can uh, just give us like a 10 minute breakdown of like basically like what made what got you into stand-up comedy like because Carrie you're a stand-up comedian like me and like many of us around uh Halifax and uh, you're probably you're one of the more experienced ones, right? You've, yeah. How long have you been doing stand up for? Well, I mean, uh, in Halifax, I started in 2008. 
but it was getting back into it after, like, I started in 1991, mm-hmm. and I was doing stand-up, but at the time, uh, you know, there was no internet, so I didn't know where any open mics were, I didn't know about open mics, uh, I only found out through word of mouth about one in Brampton where I lived, and I was doing open mics there, uh, and then uh, I met my wife, and she didn't want me to do that kind of stuff anymore, so I stopped doing stand-up, and the only thing I could do was skit comedy. Once a year, she would allow me to do skit comedy with some people where I lived in Mississauga, and I used to do skit comedy every year, so I would write skits and, and sketches and do that kind of stuff, characters and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, you know, because I did impressions was my first thing, so that was my forte. Is that impressions. where it came from? With the impressions? Yeah. Impressions was because that I, I could do them because I, I'm a huge fan of cartoons. Right. And I loved watching cartoons and the only way to sort of keep cartoons going was to have that, you know, that, that voice. I could keep doing the voice in my head and, and playing and, and doing the voice out loud so I could relive the cartoons over and over again. Because when I was a kid, it was, you only got cartoons on a Saturday morning and that's it. Right. So Me too. Yeah, so for the rest of the week, I, you know, I wanted to think about those cartoons I enjoyed, so I would do my impressions of Yogi Bear and... and uh, Let's hear the Yogi Bear impression. Let's hey, boo-boo boy! what you say today? Gee, Yogi Ranger Smith is awfully mad. <laughs> uh, fuck him, boo-boo! <laughs> Go get some picnic baskets, do some weed, have a party! Yali Stone represent! So... That's funny, like... It's funny, like, like it doesn't need to be an hour. Like, I, I can restart it again, and like, after I can save this clip, and then keep we can keep going. But I just, cause I, I'm like now, now I want to talk about like, now we, sh- I'm feeling like I should, like that's what I'm gonna do. Like once yeah. this goes yeah, out go to the right hour, right. we're gonna, I'll just go into like bring in like the second segment, yeah. because like I, I don't want to like end on this because like now we're talking about impressions and stuff, and like. We've already talked about the movie and like you know like that's fine like yeah. it, it, that was fun whatever but like now this can be like something that we're like because like uh, like as we were talking about earlier when we first picked me up and stuff like I do imp- I, I do impressions but I do impressions in my house you know yeah. what I mean I, I don't have the confidence to get on stage and like I've seen you do so many times and I, th- that so wasn't meant to sound like like taxing but no no um, I know what you're saying okay you're, yeah you're basically saying you want to do the same thing but you just don't have the confidence to do it yeah and and just and not saying that I've seen you like I, I could watch you all the time like I'm not saying that so much you know what I mean I, that's no, what I know I mean. what you're saying you're, yeah. saying, okay, yeah. you're saying yeah no I get what you're saying okay cool I didn't take any offense so okay <laughs> no, no. that's just anxiety right but yeah. uh you know like I just I, I haven't like I like I just, I wish that I could, I could do that. Like, and people tell me all the time, they're like, "Man, you really know how to do some like really good impressions of people." And like, usually the people that I do impressions of, I don't like them. Well, yeah, because you're making fun of them. Yeah, yeah. That, well, I mean, I, I, I used to do that with my family all the time. Like, I would tell my mom what my sister said if we have a fight. I would say to my mom, you know, my sister said this. Instead of just saying my sister said this, I'd be like, and she said, and I would do a voice. And my mom was like, your sister doesn't sound like that. I'm like, to me, she does. <laughs> yeah. And that would be that would be like where it started from. It's right. just me being pissed at my sister and doing an impression of her. And the same with my wife. I would do impressions of my ex-wife and say, this is what she sounds like. And people would be like, oh, that's not what she sounds like. I'm like, but that's what she sounds like to me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, yeah. And that's, that, but I mean. Everybody, everybody can do impressions, but it's just a lot of people don't bother to try because it's your voice is a is a tool, and you can change your voice 
and it just depends on how much you've played with it to know what you can get away with. Like once I knew I could do Beefs and Butthead, I knew I could do Hank Hill. Oh, and that was just gonna. It's funny that you brought up Hank Hill because I was just about to say that. I was like, man, like when you do Hank Hill, like you sound just like Hank Hill. Yeah, because I watched Beavis and Butthead, and I knew once I do Mike I, Judge. If he, yeah, if you can do Mike Judge's voices, you can do anything he does. Same with Hank Castellana. If I can do Homer Simpson, well, I could do Grandpa. If I could do Homer Simpson. Because it's the same guy, and the same with doing Krusty the Clown. It's the same fucking voice. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, because it's it's all a matter of it's this is the same guy doing the same voice. I can do it. I think my favorite Carrie Lee impression, if I had to pick one that I've heard, would be there's two. Yeah, it would be Pee Wee Herman and uh, Gollum. Yeah, and again, see, like that's. And it was like I was going to say before, like to get a voice, to do a voice, I have to. And your Joe Pesci one's per- is is like not perfect, but it's it's pretty. It's, it's fucking funny, is what it is. Yeah. It's amusing you. Are you telling me it's amusing you for me to do Joe Pesci? Yeah. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Yeah. 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 Like I like Joe Pesci. Like, yeah. And like like Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern. That's where that that's why I bring that up too. Yeah. Like, but I mean, like a, they were the most sticky bandits. In order to do a voice, like I, when I had to do Alf. Because yeah. I used to do, I used to do Alf. I'll tell you this funny story about an impression I did. I did an impression of Alf mm-hmm. uh, for a friend's voicemail. My friend Don wanted me to do a voicemail for him. So because he had we had those tapes, you know, he had to he had to record on the machine, and then people would call in and they would record on the machine. So he had a machine and he said to me, "Do me a favor, do Alf on this machine, so people will call and Alf will answer the phone." So I said, "Okay." I did that, and some kid found the voicemail by accident. They called the number by accident. And heard Alf and told all his friends in the school that Alf was on this phone and people were calling his number and he he said to me, he said, I shouldn't have done that. Mm. I said, why? He said, because now people are calling my phone and taking up all my answering machine messages because they think Alf's on this line and they're calling to talk to Alf. Right. And uh, and in order to do this voice, I had to I had to work on whatever he does. So you take Alf and he does that laugh where he goes yeah. so I, I had to keep going until I got it right and then once I got it right I was like I'm Elf yeah I loved Elf Elf was a good was a good it's on Amazon Prime and I try to watch it now it's it's it's, it's not too same, old yeah, it's, it's too outdated movie. now like and I know so many bad things about Alf that I, I can't watch it now but I mean when I was when I was out it was our favorite show we loved watching it and I loved I loved doing an impression of Alf and Willie back and forth you know would Willie be like Alf why is Lucky the cat in the microwave I'm having yeah. a cancer roll ha yeah you know, the, I love doing that but yeah. I mean like you know and but then some voices like you just can't do them anymore because I mean I could do Alf. I, I used to do Alf so well, people thought it was Alf. Right, right, right. And and I haven't done it in so long. I have to. I'd have to sit and listen to Alf for another, uh, you know, couple of days and, and, and go over it again and go over it again until I got it back again. Mm-hmm. Not like I do. Like Homer Simpson is easy. I just do it automatically, and I'm just thinking like Homer Simpson. It's easy. I don't even wonder about it. That one for me, like um, the one when you do Homer Simpson, sounds like the older version of Homer Simpson, like back in the '90s. It does sound a lot like the '90s version. Yeah, which isn't bad. It's not bad. It's classic. It is. Yeah. 
well, you know, he's different now, but that's how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's very. It, it it does sound like it. It's yeah. just that it to me it sounds like the like the old, like early nineties like when he first came out like yeah. 90, 89, 90, 91, 92. Well, you know the weird thing is though is that I used to do a much better version of Homer Simpson, but funny enough, when I started doing the testosterone, my voice changed. Oh really? I didn't know that you did testosterone. Yeah, I have to because it turns out I don't have enough. Oh okay. I have low testosterone, so because of that, my body is constantly like like I had I had to take testosterone and my voice dropped. Oh, okay. Like, my voice was a little higher. Oh, and, really? Yeah, and now it's a lot lower. So a lot of the impressions I used to do perfectly, it's not the same anymore. Because you have a little bit more bass in your yeah, voice. Yeah, I got a lot deeper voice, which is why I can get away with some voices I couldn't do before. Mm-hmm. Which is which is weird how it changes. Mm-hmm. But that's but that's what happens. Yeah, well, obviously. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but I mean, that's... That's the thing, is that, like, I, I do a lot of voices, uh, and, and some voices I do I don't like because I don't think they're as good. Yeah. And some voices I really like having fun with. Like, I love Christopher Walken, but I, I get sick of him. Well, that's because Christopher Walken's overdone. Yeah, everybody does Christopher Walken. But... I mean, I still like doing him because he's fun to do. Right. You know? Right. And, no, I have to do him because if I don't, people will say, well, what does he sound like as Christopher Walken? And now they know. So that's done. We're, we're fine now. Before, no, but now, fine. Yeah. But I mean, uh, like, same with Pee Wee Herman. Like, I went to see him in the movies, and I love Pee Wee Herman, and I, I just had to do him. And after seeing Pee Wee's Big Adventure, I would quote him all the time. You know, I remember being, when I was in college, uh, we had a we had a green room. Okay, one second. Yeah. Because we got 10 seconds. We're going to, I'm just going to have to save this one, and I'll, we'll be back in a second. We'll be back. Right we'll be back this. right after this. And we're back. Hello. <laughs> but what was the story you were just about to say? Because um, we only got 60 minutes on this thing. That's what happens on like with this particular podcast. It, it does, yeah. It just, it will only allow you to have an hour session. Yeah. Um, we were talking about... Uh, impressions. Yeah, and, and Pee Wee uh, Herman. And Pee Wee Herman, yeah. And we were in this green room, uh, and uh, I was on the phone, and everybody was talking, and I did my Pee Wee impression. Excuse me, I'm trying to use my phone! Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And I, you know, and it was perfect, and I used to do that kind of stuff all the time, mm-hmm. you know? And, and at the time, everybody had seen the movie, so it worked out. Everybody knew what movie I was writing. Underrated movie, man. Look, a lot of people liked it, but like this, it's lost on this generation. Well, I mean, it's it's it was so. I mean, it's one of those movies that was so badly done. Because if you like, when you watch it the first time, you go, "Wow, what a great movie!" When you watch it the second time, you go, "Wait a minute, I see this. I see this bad at it. I see that bad at it. I see. I can see the freak like that was, was Tim Burton's first film. Was it was his first film? And you could see the bad special effects in it. There was a scene when they were supposed to be driving down a highway, and you could see these signs coming at them. And you, it was supposed to mean that you were driving, the signs were going past you. But then you could see the trail, the tracks on the ground where the where the cart was for the, that was holding the sign was being dragged across. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you watch it the first time, you don't notice that. But the second or third time, you're going, "Wait a minute, that, those are tracks, and that, those signs are being dragged towards the camera." Mm-hmm. And you go, "Oh crap! Look at the bad special effects in this movie." Mm-hmm. There was the scene when he said, "Remember, you, you see the movie." Oh yeah, of course. Well, the scene where he sees Large Marge, and she says, "Tell him Large Marge sent you," and then she turns around, and turns down that monster. Mm-hmm. For the second, if you if you watch it in slow motion, you can see a guy sitting where Large Marge is. 
and you're like, holy shit, like someone said to me, there's a guy there, and I went, what? And then we went back and watched it in slow motion, and as soon as you watch it, there's a cut, and there's a guy sitting in the chair, and the guy turns in the lard to the monster, and then and it goes back to the woman. Mm. So it's weird watching the movie knowing all the bad special effects in it, and it ruins the, the whole movie for me. Well, you know, um, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> you, uh, you've heard, I don't know if you've heard this, but I don't want to assume, but like, you know, like, I've heard, I heard this story recently, and I, I've, I actually heard this right out of Paul Rubin's mouth. Paul Rubin's, for people that don't know, is the person world-renowned, respected for playing Pee Wee Herman. He is, yes. And, um, Pee Wee, uh, and he, he, he had said, and I can't remember if he said this on Conan O'Brien or where he said this. He might have said it on a, on a podcast. I can't remember. But what he wanted to do and what he's trying to do currently is he is pitched a Pee Wee Herman film version where Pee Wee Herman has fell off the tr- the wagon. He's an alcoholic. He's a drug addict. He's, you know, he's, he's basically fucked up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they don't know if they want to, and, and like, the, like, he went to Netflix for it, and Netflix, I, I think they're kind of like on the fence about it, because like, what people don't realize is that Paul Rubin just went on is going is like it's probably it's over now obviously because probably this fucking COVID bullshit. Yeah. But um, he had like a tour that he was doing, the Pee Wee Herman's for the celebration of Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. He was having a, a tour where he um was going like he was going to like for like the thirtieth anniversary of of uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure he was going to. Uh, go to like theaters around the United States and or uh, theaters like auditoriums and play the film and then he was going to sit there at the end and like have a Q&A and what uh just a big um he had a Q&A of of, of like of the film like what it was going to be um with certain actors that were in Pee Wee's Big, Big Adventure as well yeah and <clears throat> Before he even, like, as soon as he announced that this tour was happening, it was sold out. Yeah. Every show. Well, yeah, because a lot of people... Said it was the hardest ticket in town to get. Paul Rubin said he couldn't even get people tickets. No. That's how bad it was. Yeah. And it was sold out, like, within the first, within hours of of it. And, like, he, and and he, and he was going to go around and do that, and... I think that, like, I don't know, like, I don't know what, like, production companies or, like, social media platforms and stuff like that, I don't know exactly what they're looking for, but I feel like Pee Wee Herman, like, I feel like Paul Rubin is, like, if Netflix can't see, like, if Netflix can't look at the success of this tour and let Paul Rubin have his, like, final say over his creation over his they used to do stand-up comedy as peewee herman oh yeah i remember that you know but he did stand up as peewee herman yeah and that's what made him famous he has a he has a star on the hollywood walk of fame yeah that doesn't say paul rubin it says peewee herman yeah but you know what it is is netflix doesn't want to 
taint the character and they don't want to show because people might go oh but I love Pee Wee Herman I don't want to see him as a drug addict and a loser and, and that's what Netflix is thinking they don't want to have people go oh well then they must have some 90 year old motherfuckers working for them because like think about this okay think about this for me like people in 2020 don't know who the fuck Pee Wee Herman is That way. No. Oh. Unless you're going to want to get... Yeah, unless you want to go to Andy Ganesh. Yeah, we're going to... Well, basically, I want to get to the nearest gas station, so... Okay. Um, Because you could have went down, like... You could have went down towards uh, New Glasgow. Okay, whatever. We're not doing fucking directions later. But anyway... um, But in 2020, there's not enough people that are kids anymore. Like... His fans are not going to watch another Pee Wee Herman movie for Pee Wee. Like, they will just for the nostalgia of Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. But if there's, like, a new story or a new take on the character, I have a hard time believing that that's not a missed opportunity for Netflix, Amazon, any of those motherfuckers. See, I'm with you on that, but networks are very reluctant to do new things if they think it's going to piss people off. And that's the problem. And they shouldn't. They it's should a, take a chance. But. Such bullshit. This idealism, like that, that that's like, like, like you, like you, like we're do, we've done this podcast for like an hour and an hour and ten minutes now. And like, there's some things on here that I've thought twice about. Like, should I have said that? Like, you know, should I have brought up the Tom Hanks shit? Like, you know what I mean? Because because like, it tainted it, it would taint the cast for me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But at the same time, I mean. There's got to be a certain level of fearlessness too, right? Well, see, this is why independent cinema is so, so much big. better than regular cinema because of the fact that they will take chances. They will kill off heroes. They yeah. will make movies that are unappealing to the mass audiences yeah. because it's what they want to make. Mm-hmm. But major studios don't want to do that because they want people to buy tickets. And if they think you're not going to buy a ticket because you've done something that pisses off the audience, mm-hmm. then they won't allow it. And mm-hmm. that's what happens. Yeah, but... <laughs> It shouldn't. It's a hard. It's a hard convincing. <clears throat> well, it's hard to convince me in 2020 that people would be pissed off if there was an adult, more adult version of Pee Wee Herman made, where it explores dark, uh, dark. What's that word? Darker themes. Yeah, like a darker theme. Like I, I, I just. I, 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 and like you said, you said you get, you get it, but to me, like, I just, that whole, like, thinking that just doesn't make sense to me, you know, there, it just doesn't make sense to me. There's an article oh, yeah, about, there's an article about, um, what do you call it, um, there's an article about, uh, when they show movies to, uh, test audiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how the movies have changed because the test audiences watched movies, and they've totally changed the ending to movies or changed things in movies because Well, isn't that what happened with Back to the Future? They, they did a test with Eric Stoltz and then the, the, the test audiences didn't like him? No, I don't think so, but I think there was something else in there that they did do in front of the test audiences and they had to change it. Um, like, like, well, you look at Clerks. Clerks... Clerks is great. Clerks is an amazing movie, but you've seen the alternate ending, haven't you? Oh, yeah, I've seen, I've seen them, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, in the alternate ending... He gets killed at the end. Dante gets killed at the end. Mm-hmm. And they didn't put that out because people in the audience, if they did that in front of a test audience, they would have said, oh, I don't like the fact he dies at who the d- end. Who dies at the end? Dante. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's uh, an yeah, alternate ending. Clerks, Clerks, the original Clerks is just he ends up 
you know, it's sort of like it's going to be the same thing over again the next day. You, you know, he, he says goodnight to, uh, Dante says goodnight to Randall. Randall goes out the door and then he says, uh, you know, like, you know, it's just the, the typical ending where they, they know the next day is going to be the same as today. It's never going to change. It's going to be the same thing every day. Mm-hmm. But originally, uh, Kevin Smith wrote an, a, a different ending where the original ending was Dante's in the place. Randall says goodnight. He leaves. A guy comes in to buy cigarettes and kills Dante and shoots him. And Dante ends up dead behind the counter. And the guy robs the tail and walks out the door. And the ending is just him lying with blood coming out of his mouth. Yeah, I'm, like I'm, a I'm, don't cry for me, I'm already dead type scene. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and uh, I remember seeing that and thinking, well, thank God they didn't do that because it would have ruined a perfect movie. Yeah, like, but, well... But, but the, that's the kind of thing people do. The people make a movie with a different ending. They put it in front of a test audience and say, what do you think? And people say, I didn't like the ending. Well, you remember Jane Silent Bob Strike Back? Yeah. Well, they made a Jane Silent Bob Strike Back reboot. Yeah, which I've seen. Did you like it? I liked it. I liked it too. I thought it was it stayed true to a lot of the old jokes that it had in the first one. Oh yeah, and and they did a lot of the same jokes again as a, as a homage. And yeah, yeah, you know, and they brought the same characters. But back. I feel like I feel like with Pee Wee Herman, I feel like people would be more compelled to watch something like that, especially now. Like I really feel like that wouldn't <clears throat> that would be something that would sell. Like people would would like watch it like there's a there's it's a, a missed opportunity as far as I'm concerned there's a comic strip that I read uh, every day um, I go I, like when I go to work uh, I, I've got some internet that I can, I can read comic strips so like I, I used to read the paper all the time read the comics in the paper yeah yeah and I read them every day online now when I'm at home or at work I can go online and I can read the comic strips and it's my daily thing I do because mm-hmm. I love comic strips I've always loved them mm-hmm. and there's one called Funky Winker Bean which has been like since the 70s it's been a, like a long going it's, it's almost like a soap opera comic strip so the, the same characters and they go through their lives and do these things and, in the, and there's one uh, story that's been going on there's a guy who's an, who's an actor who wants his friend's life story to become a movie and they're pitching it to these different Hollywood execs and they're showing you what it's like pitching a movie to Hollywood execs and they're saying here's the movie it's a guy who's in love with a girl in high school they get together in high school they become a couple and then a couple of years after being a couple she ends up getting cancer and dies and so he writes this story called Lisa's Story that, that he writes and makes a book that becomes a bestseller and you know people are reading the story and so his friend the actor wants to make that into a movie and they're pitching it to these execs and they're saying well here's the movie here's what we want to do and they're like yeah well we see is being more of an action film. Can you have him actually being a spy and, and she gets killed by the evil agents? They're like, no, this is the story. And they're like, yeah, but audience don't want to see that. They want to see this. Yeah, because the producers think that they know more. Yeah. I, I figured out what, I, it just came to me what that movie was the Tim Robbins that you were talking about. Which was? The Producers. No. He never wrote that one? The Producers. Uh, was that, no, The Producers was the one with... Uh, well, he's in it. Yeah, but the producers is the, is the Mel Brooks one, isn't it? I'm not sure, but I thought that Tim Robbins was the one that wrote that. But I don't know for sure because, like I said, I, that's yeah, that whole was, that whole ten year that whole seven years, ten years, eighty three to like ninety three is kind of like lost on me. Yeah, no, Bob Roberts was was the film. It was definitely Bob Roberts. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I could see like Paul Rubens sitting in a in a in a pitch meeting and and saying, I just want like. Okay, so let's just let's do something that's fun right now. Like we'll just we'll, we'll like. Well, if you we'll, be Pee Wee Herman, I'll be. You be Pee Wee Herman. Okay, I'll be Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. You be, you be the film execs. Yeah. And, uh, 
<laughs> so I have to, but I have to take on your opinion of why it wouldn't work. Exactly. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, so here's my movie pitch. What I want to do is Pee Wee Herman has hit rock bottom, okay, guys? And he's going to be a drug addict and an alcoholic, but he still wants to, he wants to achieve this great goal, but he knows he can't. Uh, and that's why he's like hit rock bottom, okay? And then it's all about his redemption in the film. And by the end of the film, he's achieved this goal he's wanted to do. And and at the end of the film, he's he's cut out of his hole. But you know, for the first half of the film, he's like you know he does drugs, he's like shooting heroin, and he's drunk. What do you think, Paul? I don't think audiences want to see that. But but you know, everybody wants to see. Peewee, but like in a different light because it's a new thing. I don't think that it will test. Up. I don't. I, I can. I can totally see it though. Like I'm not good at this. Yeah. No, but you mean you, you see yeah. what I mean? Like I mean, that's you know, you you are you're on board, so you're yeah. you're not good as a devil's advocate. Yeah. Because you're on board, you want to see that. Yeah. Whereas, like you know, I know. Well, what, this I know is the film that I have in mind. Yeah. It's pee. It's Peewee, but he's addicted to drugs, and he drinks. And yeah, and he it's 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 a really he's in a really dark place, and um, you know he's he, it's it's a story it becomes a story of, of of redemption, I guess, for 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 if I'm describing this right, like you know, like I can't do a Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, see the thing is, Mr. Rubin, um, if I could call you that, <laughs> or if if you prefer, you oh, call me Pee. We got lights. Maybe it's like a road check or something. Well, if we get a road check while I'm recording, so... And yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, just hold the phone down so that they don't see it. That's bullshit. This is bullshit. Well, no, they're probably looking for drunks or something. Or maybe they're not even checking for people. I don't know. Are they, are they just waving you on? Yep. Hi there. Hey, how are you doing? Good, how are you doing? Not bad. Anything to drink tonight? Not a, not a drop. Oh, you don't happen to have your ID on you, do you? I do have my ID on me. This is like the most random. Oh, there happens. There you go. <laughs> cool, thank you very much. Have a good night. You too. Have a good night. Thanks, you too. <laughs> there are good cops. <laughs> you know where you find them? <laughs> you know where you find the good cops? In the middle of fucking nowhere. You know what it is? It's a Friday night, and, and it's the country, and a lot of people go, like, I from, from experience from my family and, like, you know, Carrie, up in the Muskogee. You, you see where we are. Yeah, in the middle of nowhere, and that's what people do. They drive in the middle of nowhere drunk because they know there's never going to be a cop down here, and the cops know that. So that's what happens on a Friday night. It's 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 twenty to eleven. Clubs are now closing at midnight, so people right, are going right. home and they're driving drunk, and that's what they do. They they just do checks. Yeah, this sure. seems like pretty fucking far out of the way to be doing a roadblock, though. Well, right? you got to wonder like there's there's there you know like in the neighborhood is there a reason for it? Yeah, and this and the guy and he was standing in that, and, and I'm not erasing that part. Like that, no, no, like, you can keep we it on we just sat through like a, a roadblock. Yeah, which was I like the, yeah, it, was, it, and, was a, it was a ride check. And he and he's like sitting. He stood in the middle of the road. Like did it flash his light? Nothing. Like I would have just me. Oh no no he the, the lights like soon you, you saw the lights were there but as soon as we got near they started flashing. Oh that's right yeah they started uh they turned on yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That's that was exactly that's why the they sign did that. to say just to, to stop yeah, yeah okay. that's exactly why they did that so. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> but where were? Oh yeah, where were? We? Oh yeah. He so. he knew I was recording too because he looked at my phone and saw the saw the recording part. That he didn't say much. No, <laughs> I mean it's not. Much, I mean there's not much to say. He didn't no. want to know if we were drinking. Yeah, we weren't. And that was all. Yeah. So they they can smell it and they would know as soon as I'd say no, they'd be like, oh I can smell it. You get out of the car. But yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's just it. They just said, have you been drinking? I said, no, nope, gotta drop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, okay. <laughs> but where were back to where we were? Like with P. V. Herman and and the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. Just did the uh, there's a cop up ahead flash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, with Pee Wee Herman in the movie, I know I know what executives are going to say because they're going to say you know uh, we've tested our markets tested people people don't like to see uh, beloved characters from their childhood as drug addicts. I mean, can you imagine Mr. Rubens having you know Mr. Rogers as a as a coke fiend? Uh, you know, it just wouldn't it wouldn't sit right with the moral. Well, no, I couldn't see that. I couldn't see that. Like I couldn't. See, but this is this is the thing, uh, Mr. Rogers and Pee Wee Herman, two completely different sides of the spectrum, if you ask me. Well, no, because see, they're both beloved by children, right? But which is why your series was canceled when you were caught masturbating in a porn theater. You know, it took a long time for that to. Are come you doing out. Lauren Michaels right now? Is that Lauren Michaels? No, it's just an executive because oh, okay. they all sound like that. If I was doing Lauren Michaels. I'd be more like this and say, you know, listen, Rick, right, uh, let's try something different. I just think, like, I, I think they're, they're, the biggest difference and the thing is, is Mr. Rogers could not pitch that idea because of the fact of his message, like, was for... Oh, he would never, he would never do that, but I mean, imagine... And he, would, and he wouldn't be addicted to drugs. But no, he wouldn't. But Pee Wee I mean, Herman, he, as you just mentioned, the whole cookie, hand in the cookie jar thing, and... And all that stuff, and he, like he got caught doing that, yes, but whatever, and and not but whatever, but you know what I mean, and like, and as you know, like anything that we are saying on the the podcast is all in good fun, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're not trying to chastise anybody, no, or, no, 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 or belittle no, anybody, or belittle no. any type of groups or anything like that. It's shitty just, that we have to say that, but it's the reality of what people do with, right. with like, like when he got caught in the porn theater. To me, it was like. He's a human. That's what humans do, you know. But uh, but to a lot of Americans, they were. This is somebody we let our kids watch every Saturday, which and is, now we can't let them watch it because he's a pervert. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Like the stuff that he's been through has built up to this moment. That now, if there's any time that this could ever be pulled off, any time that he could pull off an idea like this, yeah, it would be now. But I'm I'm saying I'm I'm all for seeing it. I would love to see that, see him being a drug addict and then rede- you know redeeming himself by the end of the movie. Or even if he didn't, because it'd be different. It'd be something. Because I found that the Pee Wee Herman movies got like um, darker. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the next ones that came after, they were like more adult, more grown, and darker. Like well, there because, was darker because themes. you want to, because you want to do that. You want to grow as a person. You know, like there's so many. You know, so many actors and, and so many bands that want to change their image or change their sound because they get bored of doing the same thing. Well, that's the sad thing about, um, for me, the sad thing for me is when I hear the, I heard this old story and it's, it's, it's true and it's sad that this would happen, but like Paul Rubens could be 85 years old someday walking by his square on Hollywood Boulevard and say, oh, that was me. And people are going to be like, you're not Pee Wee Herman. You know what I mean? Like, that's sad. 
Like, well, it is. But like, I mean, why wouldn't they? When they gave him, like, they're gonna give him a, like, like you, you give people like Pauly Shore fucking a uh, uh, star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and all that. All Pauly did was be the weasel. Why don't you just put the weasel? Why wouldn't they? It, it's the same thing as putting Pee Wee Herman down instead of Paul Rubin. Yeah. Well, you know the reason why is because Pauly Shore was always listed as Pauly Shore, even though his character was the weasel. Yeah. Whereas Pee Wee Herman was always was his listed. dad funny, Sammy Shore. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I him and his, him and his, well, his mom owned the comedy store, so yeah. he, he had yeah. that pedigree growing up with all those stand-ups, so he yeah. knew a lot of them. Yeah. And I mean, even Pauly Shore says, you know, it was just a character he created, and it just blew up way, way faster than he expected. Yeah, and I, I like Pauly Shore. I don't want, I don't want anyone to get the wrong impression. Like, I actually thought that Pauly Shore, I think he's, I think he is good. Do I think he's a stand-up comedian? Um... I don't know. That's kind of a hard sell for me, but we'll see, like, we'll see. His character he created was his stand-up start, and, and unfortunately, that's what he's stuck with now because that's all yeah. people will remember. Yeah, you know. Whereas, I've seen him on a podcast on the Joe Rogan podcast, and everybody like, what like what could have been with since we're like we're an hour or two here, but whatever. Yeah. Um, what could have been for Pauly Shore, and Pauly Shore said this out of his own mouth was. Because um, he's been axed over the years to being films that he could have been in, but he said no to them simply because he wasn't the lead character, and he was used to being the lead. Yeah. He was used to being the guy. Yeah. And uh, it's hard to go back to being like the, the sidekick when you've been. The lead. And that's why he has like an issue with Adam Sandler. Like he's he feels like Adam Sandler kind of came in. And they were like those. They were grouped together, like like I mentioned, like you know, uh, Michael Keaton, Bill Murray, and Robin Williams being coupled, like put into a, a a group of who was the potential for the for the roles that were going to be played. Yeah. Adam Sandler in his early years and Paulie Shore, that was them. They have a very similar look. You know what I mean? They look very similar to one another. Yeah. Right. But they have, they have and if we're being honest, they have. Very similar humor. They do, yeah. Right? Because Adam Sandler would do the... And then, yeah. you know, it's a grind in the weeds. Yeah. Squeeze in the juice. Yeah. Why you all up in my grill? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. it's Let's true. go get some grindage. Yeah, I mean, Encino Man, he was awesome in that. Encino Man's great. Yeah, I actually liked The Son-in-Law. I thought that movie was fun. Son-in-Law was awesome. Yeah, but then, like, Biodome, and then I'm like, okay. Biodome was good. I was, but the, by that time, I was done with the character, though. Yeah, well, yeah, and he was, too. That, yeah, that's, like, that's, that's kind the of problem, like, is that, like, once you create a character that everybody wants to see... I mean, people, that's, that's all they want to see, yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that's why I said, like, you know, like, when Michael Keaton did Batman, all anybody ever wanted to see him in was action movies. Yeah. You know, when... Well, I think that, like, like I say, and, like, Batman's going to be, like, a, a whole cast on its own, so I'm not going to give too many opinions on, on it right now. Yeah. But, like, it... I'll say this much right now. I don't think that Batman did him as much favors as people assume it did. Oh, it didn't because, I mean, like, he, he pretty much dropped out of films. Yeah. After, I mean, like, I remember he did, I think, Jack Frost and yep. one other film. Yeah. And then that was it. Desperate he Measures. He didn't see him again until, like, Birdman. Yeah. He did Desperate Measures, too, but when he played the, the remember, he played the convict and he was like... Which I've never seen. So. Oh, it was insane. It's, it's about this kid that needs, like, a transplant of an organ and Michael Keaton's character is the one that can get it, that is the match. Yeah. And Andy Garcia plays the father 
he's trying to convince Michael Keaton. Yeah, and then it turns into like a prison break, and it's like it just shows you like, like you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Yeah. Like he's that. That's what I'm saying. Like Michael Keaton's a scary guy. Like. <laughs> oh yeah, but that's it. But that's why I say like I mean, once you do that, because like I said, if you watch, if you go watch Night Shift, you'll see. He was a goofy guy. He was Robin Williams mm-hmm. more than he was, you know, a, a psycho. Mm-hmm. He was just goofy. Yeah. You know, he'd always been goofy characters up until that point, you know. And then and then it's the same with, like, Pauly Shore. Pauly Shore always had done the weasel. And then he tried to do other things, but he was like, no, no, do the weasel. I always kind of, like, wonder, like, too, like, who would be the, like, the group that Paul Rubin would be with? Like, when they were thinking of movie the movie, like, who would Paul Rubin have been like in the same group with like who would have been the other people well start off with the fact that P.B. Herman came from the groundlings yeah um, and if you've ever watched this I haven't a, seen it there's a special um, that uh, they, they they made a thing called it was a stage show called the P.B. Herman show yeah. that was done before he ever made a TV show or movie right and it used to play in Los Angeles all the time yeah and, he was huge yeah yeah and, and this this play People would come see the play, and it was supposed to be his TV show done on stage. Yeah. As if it was a kid show from the 60s or something like that. Yeah. And all the characters were on there. So he had Phil Hartman. He had... Oh, man. Uh, Phil Hartman. And I don't know if Lawrence Fishburne was on then, mm-hmm. but they had Cowboy Curtis, they or Cowboy Cletus, or whatever it was. They had um, the, the Most Beautiful Woman in the World, which was... Um, can't remember her name. That did the uh, did it on TV, but it's the same actress. Mm-hmm. She and, and the Groundlings made this... As a, as a skit so I mean a lot of the people from Saturday Night Live like Phil Hartman and, and John Lovitz and all that would have been in the same class as I think that like now that you say that like that's a pretty that's pretty interesting I think like a, like a Jim Verney John Lovitz and Pee Wee Herman Paul Rubin probably would all fall because you know John Lovitz has that 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 tone you know what I mean like he's just like he that he has that tone yeah yeah well yeah I mean they, I mean, they all did that, that was the whole style that everybody had at that you know, for the and, and they all grew up and the, they were all working the same well, group, the groundlings. So we can we can get so like but we can agree to disagree, I guess, on this particular one is like like no, we agreed. We agreed. We agreed. It would be it would be, be a great. But, but I yeah. but I say I can't I can see the producers not doing it simply because they don't want to do that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Because producers are very stuck up about that kind what of thing. What do you think was the movie that killed Pauly Shore's career? Uh, Biodome. You think it was Biodome, really? Yeah, because I heard a lot of flack about Biodome. Well, they hated it when it first came out. They did. It was, a lot they, of it, was hated it. it was a it was a box office flop. Yeah. And because of like, um, uh, like, but Stephen Baldwin was in that. Like, he, I love Stephen Baldwin. Yeah, but I mean, the, the best is, Baldwin brother. It, like I said, it's the same thing. It's like you you have a character, and the character gets overdone, and then people are like, okay, I've you know enough of this, mm-hmm. and that's unfortunate. You know, it's it's like anything else. Like when you watch Mad TV. Uh, you know, everyone wanted to see Stewart every week going, you know, look what I could do. That's true. Yeah. And then after a while, you get you get to the point, like, what can you do? That's what, and that's kind of like, that kind of ruined Michael McDonald's, uh, the other Michael McDonald. Yes. <laughs> yes. That, well, there's not, three. Yeah, well, we know the, the real one. Well, you know, there's the king of Canadian comedy who we pay homage to. Yeah. Uh, the great Mike. The great Mike, yeah. Uh, there's Mike McDonald, the comedian from Los Angeles who did Stewart. Yeah. And Which, was in the he's Mike, great. He's and, great, too. And he was in the, he was in the Austin Powers film. Yeah. Uh, and then there's uh, Michael McDonald, the singer. Oh, right, right. And, uh, you know, who, who did, that was in the Doobie Brothers and had his own solo career. 
uh, and also saying backup. Uh, actually, it was in the Steely Dan, and was also. It's kind of sad that that happened to Michael McDonald, man. Michael knew he was his own. The Stewart one. Yeah. Uh, Michael, like in McDonald, he knew he was doing the character too much. But, I yeah. mean, that's the thing is that you have a TV show, and it's based on characters. And, you know, like, you have Miss Swan. Every week you have Miss Swan going, yeah, he fucking got the man. Yeah. And, and it's it's a repetitive thing. It keeps going Mad on. Mad TV on, was on. like that, yeah. yeah Mad TV That's was. what made it different from Saturday Night Live. Well, Saturday Night Live had the same thing, but not to that extent. Like, they would... They would they would kill a character to death like the Coneheads was done every week and you get you get to a point where like what can you do with it? Mm-hmm. Like I I used to do those shows every year. I told you about the skits shows. Mm-hmm. And the first year I did a skit. Uh, we were making fun of movies, and I said, "Here's some movies coming to uh, the movie network." Mm-hmm. So I had geriatric park instead of Ger- Jurassic Park with old people harassing mm-hmm. people in cars. Mm-hmm. I had um, uh, I can't remember what the other film was, and then I had Schindler's Shopping List. Okay. Where I played a German inspecting someone's groceries coming out of the Costco. Yeah. And and it was so good. People said the next year, they said, where's the German guy? I'm like, what do you mean? They said, the German guy was really funny last year. Do him again. So every year I had to do the German guy because people came to see the German guy that I did. And I, came, I gave him a name. I didn't want anybody to think a Nazi was funny and really cool to be a Nazi. So I called him Heinrich von Deutschbag. Mm-hmm. So the other guy would call me Douchebag. Right. And I used to do that. Um... But, I mean, I kept trying to think of new ways to bring this character in. And it was getting to a point where, like, you're like, it's not getting funny anymore. Because, you know, you've done the joke. And the joke is funny the first time. But, like, the seventh time, you're like, okay, this isn't funny anymore. But you still want to see him. And every time I brought him out, there was a huge cheer from the audience. But I'm like, why are you liking this? I think the movie that killed um, Pauly Shore's career was Jury Duty. Which probably was definitely... It was horrible. Yeah. It was horrible. Yeah. The script was horrible. Like, the casting was horrible. Everything about that movie was horrible. Like, and he even said that Jury Duty was a gimme flick. Like, yeah. he had to kind of do it just to get out of it, to get out of that contract type yeah, thing. Yeah, you do. You have to do certain things. It's like, it, well, it's like, it's like Jim but Barney. You were saying about Jim Barney and yeah. doing Ernest. Like, Ernest, the first couple of Ernest films were awesome. Mm-hmm. But after a while, you're like, okay, this is the same joke over and over again. Yeah, but Ernest is, like, one of those things, just like Pee Wee Herman, like, Ernest is just, you just love Ernest. Well, you love him, but, I mean, like, you look at the films he did, and... uh, A lot of them are good. Yeah, I mean, the first few were good. Like, Ernest Goes to Camp, and Ernest Goes to Prison, and all those things. What's that other one, Uh, Ernest Rides Again? Yeah, and the Halloween one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ernest Scared Stupid. Ernest Scared Stupid. I mean, those were good films, but then, like, near the end... Ernest Saves Christmas, one of the best Christmas movies ever made. Yeah, but, I mean... Then, 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 like some of them started getting worse and worse and worse, and the, and the writing got worse, and the actors. Yeah, Ernest goes to Africa and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it, it got to a point where, like, okay, you know, you're 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 flogging a dead horse. Yeah. And then that was the problem: is that you're flogging a dead horse. Yeah, and, that's true. And you know, and, and now it's getting it's getting stupid. But right. I mean, kids would still watch the films, so I mean, they could sell those to adults, and adults would set it in front of their kids and say, "Okay, watch this film," because they knew they could trust it was going to be kid friendly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's why they kept selling. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, Red Girardi was like, or Jim Varney was like, I want to do something else. Like he was trying to branch out to doing serious roles and doing other yeah. films. He but was they in were Great like, Balls of Fire. I remember when he was in Great Balls of Fire. Yeah. And and I, I watched a documentary on his life, and like he tried to do more serious stuff because he was a Shakespearean actor for God's sakes. Oh yeah, he was. He's amazing. Yeah. He's an amazing actor. Yeah. And that's what's that's what's kind of sad about those types of guys that like, well, not obviously not Paulie Shore, but 
like it's probably sure had a rich comedy upbringing, but like he, I don't think he that he had the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the classic, you know, actor training and stuff like that. Like you said, like Jim Verney was a, you know, same with Paul Rubin. Paul Rubin was a like a Shakespearean actor as well, you know. Yeah, well, and, I mean, he got involved with the Groundlings, and that was like an improv kind of comedy thing. Yeah, he created this character that became huge. Yeah, and then that was it. Like it took off from there, and it became the big thing in his life. I mean, if you, I mean, but I've seen him in tons of other films. Like I, when I saw the original Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, and he played the character in it. To me, his vampire character was hilarious. I thought he was funnier than anything he's ever done. He was good in Mystery Men too. Oh, Mystery Men, he was awesome. When he was the spleen. The spleen. I'm spleen. Pull my finger. Pull my finger. That was that was awesome. I mean, but this is the thing: is like it loud in like in some respects, him getting caught in the movie theater and losing Pee Wee Herman was a godsend to him because now he could do other. Well, characters. he did Blow. He did the movie Blow. He too. did the movie Blow. He did uh, he did Buffy. He did uh, Mystery Men. Uh, mm-hmm. He was in the Batman Returns. Yeah. Uh, you know, so he did all these different characters, and he was allowed to branch out because yeah, he suddenly he wasn't locked into Pee Wee Herman anymore. That's right. Yeah. So I mean, for him, it was an, it was a blessing in disguise. Right. But at the same time, I'm sure he's sitting there going, you know, but I lost this. I guess Jim Verney too. Like if you if you think about it, like Ernest Pee Wee Herman and Mr. Rogers all kind of couple of like kind of like group into with each other of like those ones that like that they would. <clears throat> but well, Jim Verney passed away unfortunately yes, many years ago. But like. Well, and what, and he, but at the end, like Jim Verney kind of went out on the t- on top, really not on. T- I, well, he, you know, he had cancer and stuff. That's sad, but like. But I mean, he was starting to get other roles. Yeah, as well. I mean, he, and he did. He did he the was Toy slinky. Story movies. Yeah, and exactly, and he, exactly, yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. But that's exactly. The, but that's the problem with Slinky here. Dog. Yeah, but if you create a character that's that's really popular, and then you, and you, and you get to a point, the whole it's it's almost like when you're a rock star and you. And you have a hit album, and then you bring another hit album out, and you bring three hit albums out, and then all of a sudden the fourth album tanks, and you're done. Yeah. But I mean, you've already you know had this band together, and you've created this sound, and you've done this you know this 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 style of music for so long mm-hmm. that that's what happens. You end up stuck. I just don't think that like like when I he- when I heard like the grievances of Paulie Shore towards Adam Sandler, and like. <clears throat> Adam Sandler's great, right? Like, I like his stuff. I like a lot of the stuff that he does. Yeah. And, but, you can't blame Adam Sandler for doing that. Like, Adam Sandler capitalized on his success, um, be that from Billy Madison, be that from Happy Gilmore, be that from, you know, anything that he did. Like, he, Adam Sandler worked and made consistently good comedy films yeah. that people paid attention to. And I'm not saying that Paulie Shore didn't do that, but he made, he made good comedy films. There were good comedy films that he made. Yeah. Right? But he wasn't as consistent as Adam Sandler. I don't think that it's fair to be like, oh, it's because of Adam Sandler that like, well, I, mean, I, Adam- I, can't, I can't take a back seat to Adam Sandler now because I was famous before him. You look at Adam Sandler's films, and Adam Sandler's characters were varied, but the same. Like, yeah, oh it was yeah. never It was never the same character, but it was. Oh, yeah. Whereas Pauly Shore, it was undoubtedly the weasel every, every time. time. So every time. So it was yeah. always the weasel, nothing changed. <coughs> Excuse and, me. And that's where, it, that's where, like, Adam Sandler was different. Yeah. And, I mean, even now, Adam Sandler, like, like the movie he'd made with, um, what you call it, um... 
can't remember the name of it, but it was one he did with David Spade where he was the undercover spy or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, that was a really well done film. I really liked it, and I liked the premise of it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that he did really good, but it was against cast of Adam Sandler because Adam Sandler is usually the goofy lead character and in this film he was actually a serious role and Adam Sandler or David Spade was the goofy guy yeah you know and I thought wow that's finally him taking a different stance and doing a different character you know yeah. he wasn't that yeah he was he was this serious guy that was kicking ass and was you know was a spy and was able to like take on bad guys and you know he almost like a James Bond kind of character yeah well he Adam Sandler's got a lot of freedom with the the films that he makes because well, he made that deal he with Netflix and says, oh, I'll make, like, nine films or something like that. And he just resigned a new one, yeah. Yeah, and, he, and they said, like, you know, you do whatever you want and make films for us, and he did. And But they're partnered with his production company, so he basically has the last say on what the movies are going to be, what they're going to look like. Netflix doesn't... Netflix just distri- has a distribution. Yeah, yeah. And that's the, that was the beauty of it, because then he can do whatever he wants right. and create the movie. So I, I haven't seen the movie he did about the jewels, the broken jewels, or whatever it's called. Oh, Uncut Gems, yeah. It's Uncut not that Gems. great. Yeah, no, but I mean, great. that's, again, that's him going against character. Oh, totally. Like, it, it, it's not your typical Adam Sandler movie, that's no. for sure. And that's why people were, were talking about it, saying, like, yeah. what a great film, because it was, a, it, it was like, against cast. I don't know why they would say it was... I don't know why they. Great is is a is a is a stretch for me with that one. But it's always because it's going against. Oh yeah, it, it definitely goes against. It, it goes against the grain for sure. Yeah. But like a movie that goes against the grain for me, if you want to talk about like movies that went against the grain, type things like that, that were different and like not the same. Punch Drunk Love. That that's the one for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. I don't know. I can't remember the one I just said. What? Uncut Gems, that's right. Yeah. Uncut Gems, yeah. Like, no, it was good, but it wasn't Oscar-worthy. No. No. You know, you know what I mean? Like, they, they were like, oh, he should win an Oscar for this. And I said, for what? Because they yell at each other for... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if, if, if Adam Sandler was going to win an Oscar for that movie, Kevin Garnett should have won. Best Supporting Actor. And he was in it for five minutes. Yeah. Right? But... But see, that's the, that's the thing about about characters in movies, and that like I give Adam Sandler credit for taking a step in different directions and trying different things. Because some people, like Jerry Lewis, would do that, and they would they would they didn't want to let those movies out. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, Jerry Lewis made that whole film about the children in the uh, concentration camp. I think it was called The Day the Laughter Died or something like that. Mm. And uh, he he wouldn't release it because he realized it was such a, a horrible, sad film that he didn't want people seeing him as this actor in a horrible, sad film. Although mm-hmm. that's what he like it was basically what he wanted to do that's what punch drunk love was not horrible but it was a sad film yeah it was really sad yeah well i mean because you felt bad for him right anybody that's seen the film that jerry lewis made has said it's like one of the saddest films like like literally come out of the crying and that's why he would never release it because he said i don't want people seeing me in a film and crying i want them laughing all the time so he Mm -hmm. didn't he didn't want to put that out there Mm -hmm. so it's kind of crazy jerry lewis and jerry lee lewis because yeah. we brought up Jerry. Like, that would be kind of a shitty being known at the same time, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, being Jerry Lee Lewis and... Uh, and your next performer, Jerry Jerry Lewis. Can you imagine if they forgot to say Jerry Lee? And then you're thinking, oh, Jerry Lee Lewis is coming out. And it's like, this is going to be fine. Then next thing you know, it's like... Well, the or, piano or, hits. Or they put it together and he's like, yeah, goodness gracious. Hello, ladies! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But, like, I don't know. I, 
I, you could you could be you could beat it with a dead horse, really. I don't yeah, know. but I mean that's that's the thing about f- films is that like, L- like little Nicky, like like people don't like little Nicky. I love, I love little Nicky. Yeah, so great. I thought he was a great character and doing the weird voices and I mean like having Ozzy as a cameo was awesome. Yeah, and changing the fucking Pepsi to a Coke. Yes, that was and, like and Popeyes was the shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that kind of stuff. I thought did you just hilarious. change my Pepsi to Coke? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, like I always liked Adam Sandler films. Yeah. Uh, you know, but then, like, after a while, I said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the character's kind of done for me. But I feel like, like, just like in, in the argument well, with uh, the Pauly Shore argument, I just feel like it to me what it would sound like now is like because like think about what could have been if if Pauly Shore just wasn't so fucking full of himself. Yeah. You know. Think if Paulie Shore wasn't so full of himself. Think if Paulie Shore actually, like, just, you know, just, there's plenty of actors that were in Paulie Shore's situation and had to accept, you know, like, those side roles, like Donald Sutherland. Like, Donald Sutherland's one of the greatest actors of uh, in human history, and look at some of the stuff that he's done. Yeah. You well, know what I mean? Because you, because you, you can't have that attitude that like I'm better than this and I, do, I deserve to be a headliner all the time well you can't yeah well sometimes you have to step back and say okay I'll be this character I'll be that character you have to be able to be adaptable yeah and that's something that Paul Shore wasn't able to do no and because because his attitude was I've I've been the, the top dog I don't want to go back to being the sidekick but you you have to accept like he feels he should have Adam Sandler's spot but but he didn't never do, took Adam Sandler's chances. Exactly. And he didn't do any of the work that Adam Sandler did to make all those movies. Like, cause, like you think about Adam Sandler's first, like, when his career first started, like, when he first started making films. Like, he had a good string where there was, like, 10 or 12 films, man, that were just, like, out of this fucking world good. And when I, when I started to notice Adam Sandler changing was, and it, like, and the film that, I, and the film is still good, is Click. Yeah. Like, I started to notice that's when he was starting to change. Yeah. But Click was, like, his last hoorah of, like, real... And, well, at the time, it seemed, would be his last hoorah of, like, a really great film. Because he's come up with other ones, like you said, like, the do-over and, um, you know, the like, the murder mystery one he has with Jennifer Aniston on Netflix. And The Ridiculous Six is stupid, but... I love The Ridiculous I mean, I should never said stupid. I don't like that word. But Ridiculous Six is kind of... It's, no, it's, it's goofy. Go- but it's I, goofy. I, I loved it. Maybe that's probably what, what it's supposed to be. You know? Maybe it's supposed to be, like, It's, a it's supposed to be film. a parody of, of, the, of the Tarantino film that came out. The, the Angry... Seven, the Hateful or, Eight. Hateful Eight. Yeah. It was the, that's what it was. It was a parody of that. Yeah. And, and I got that. And I thought that was hilarious. But, yeah. I mean, the thing is... You know, Adam Sandler would take chances and try different things, but Pauly Shore wanted to, it was the weasel, and then, like, when the time came, like, yeah, I think he probably wanted to do more serious stuff, but he was like, no, no, do the weasel. Well, that too, but, like, can you see, I don't think you could see Pauly Shore, like... I can't see Pauly Shore being a lead character in anything. Not in a serious film? No, but, I mean, he's always been the sidekick when he hasn't been the weasel. Yeah. But he doesn't want to go back to that, and I and I get that. Yeah. But, I mean... You know, it's it's like anything else. Like I'd love to be a headliner and do headlining gigs. But I mean, if someone said to me after being a head, because I was a headliner with Mark Sowe for like years, mm-hmm. uh, and then when I go to Yaxa, they won't put me on as a headliner. That is in no way an endorsement of Mark Sowe. No, no. <laughs> but I mean, the thing is, like, I 
you know, a headline for so long. And then they said, no, no, we want you to host. And so I hosted and I accepted that because I know you have to take a back seat and do what you have to do and, and just keep working and proving yourself. And that's the same with Pauly Shore. Pauly Shore has so how, to keep working for himself. So how long have you been doing stand-up for? Like, in years? Like, like Just a definite in-years answer. In, in years, I will say officially, because I will count 2008 as my rebirth at it, I would say 12 years. 12 years, okay. Yeah. But I mean, and what if, would you say to, like, a new... Like a newer comedian like myself, like I've, I've been in it for five years now, and like this, so I'm now starting my sixth year yeah. in stand up. Yeah. But what would you say to someone that would be like maybe not me, because I've been around for a, a little bit. Like I guess I can't. I don't want to sound too full of myself, but like, what would you say to like a new person? Like what would be the advice that Carrie Lee would give, would pass on to someone that's starting stand up and. Like it's like almost like basically for an expe- setting of expectations, stuff like that. I would say the same thing that I heard from um, Donald Glover because uh, I used to listen to the Nerdist podcast, and Donald Glover was on there, t- and I didn't know who he was at the time. I had no idea. From Community? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. at, at the time, Childish I, Gambino. Yeah, yeah, and at the time, I didn't know who he was. He was he was uh, he was. I think Community had just started. And I hadn't watched it yet. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea who he was. And he was on the Nerdist podcast. And they were talking to him about doing stand-up. And uh, oh, closed. Um, and he And he said... Um, and he said that the number one thing is you have to keep going and you have to keep doing open mics and performing as much as you can because if you just keep doing the same room every time, yeah, uh, you're going to get in a rut where you think everything's funny because everybody in that room thinks you're funny yeah. and that's all you ever do. Mm-hmm. But you have to go places where you've never done it before. You have to do shows where you don't think you're going to do well mm-hmm. because you have to prove that you're consistent no matter where you go. Like I did shows going all over the province in different places where you know they would not get the kind of jokes I did in Halifax or they you know they wanted a different kind of joke like when I used to do those skit shows uh, I I would write these things that were really intelligent and funny and, and interesting and the guy that was uh, the director would say to me you know care these are really funny but we can't use them because the people here want titty titty bum bum jokes where you just go like you know uh, you know dirty jokes or you know something that's really kind of lowbrow and and that's what you have to do if you're going to keep doing that room you have to keep doing that but if you go to other places you get a chance to try different so basically you would tell like a newer person to hit as many different stages as they could and go to many different places like if you're always based in halifax go and do a show in saint john or moncton or go do a show in Yarmouth, or go do a show in Kennet Cook, and any of these small little communities on the outskirts of town. Don't keep doing the same shows in the same room in the same place, because yeah, people are going to laugh at your jokes because either they're thinking it's funny, or they like you, or they like you yeah, because you're I've, there all, all the time. I've, I was guilty of that, like because I did the high life, and I used to, and then it, it, I, I, and I do agree with that, like to to the point where you th- you get stuck in this mindset where you have all these same people around you or you have all these like the same audience members and it's the same vibe all the time and you, you grow a connection with them and those people and then you're kind of like misleading yourself and oh wow that, that yeah that's crazy yeah that is crazy like just, just guy standing in the middle of the middle road, of the road. Right yeah, yeah really yeah, you look at uh, you look at doing comedy. Like if you if you did the same room every week. Like let's let's just say I opened up a comedy room in this place called Pete's Pub. 
Yeah. And every week I did Pete's Pub, and every week uh, everybody at Pete's Pubs used to see me, and they and they knew me, so they liked me. And no matter what I said, they'd laugh because they all knew me, and I'm like their friend. Yeah. So they want to laugh at their friend. But I go the next week. I go to Dave's room, and Dave. People in Dave's room don't know me, and I get on stage and I do the same material I've done at Pete's Pub for three months, mm. and no one's laughing. And I and instead then of then you just wasted three months. Well, no. Instead of saying to myself, "Oh shit, I got to work harder because everybody at Pete's Pub likes me, but no one at Dave's room likes me," I need to work harder at my material. Most people will go, "Well, fuck that. I'm just going to do a Pete's Pub because everybody at Pete's Pub loves me, but Dave's room doesn't." Mm-hmm. But you can't do that. You have to be enough of a good enough comedian that you can go into any club and do material that gets a laugh no matter where you go. And and Kenny Robbins has said the other thing too. Don't, Love that guy. He's amazing. And he, I mean, when he when we got that lesson from him and Darren Frost, where we got that seminar. Love that guy too. Him, yeah, and we got that seminar from them both, and they had some really good points. Mm-hmm. And the thing Kenny said was, and I abide by it. Don't do a joke if you can only do it in certain places. So if you do a joke. And it's funny at Dave's at Pete's Pub, but it's not funny in Dave's room. Mm-hmm. Well, then it's not a good joke. You can't you can't have a joke that's funny in one place and not funny in another place. It has to be funny across the board. Right. You know, you could go to Pete's Pub, and everybody knows the guy behind the bar is David, and everybody loves David at Pete's Pub because you know they they know what he's like, and he doesn't mind being ribbed about things. And like, hey, Dave, how's it going? <laughs> so, what would you say to? Uh, uh, a new stand-up comedian, like I said, because I'm asking you because you, you're 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 like you've been around the game a little bit longer than most people uh, that even try to stay in it. Because yeah. most people won't even stay in it. Because like I would say, like the shelf life for most comedians that are gonna do either do it or not do it, I would say it's like three three years yeah. is the cutoff. Yeah. For me, like if you're if you. If you if you keep pushing past the three year mark, I feel like you'll probably push. You'll probably see six years. You'll you'll probably see seven years. You yeah. know, I, I feel like it like or if you catch that bug because everybody's got that that bug. But what would you say to someone? And I feel like the biggest reason and the biggest factor in that for me, like and like I said, I'm not a comedy expert, but I'd like to think I know a little bit about it. I've done it for a little while. Um, I ran my own room, stuff like that. Yeah. What would you say to someone about bombing? What would you what would you, what would you be your best like if you just saw like someone brand new, brand spanking new, just or not brand spanking new, say they've been in it for like uh, three months, six months, a year, and you see them bomb really bad, and you see them down and kicking themselves and like questioning, you know, what is the, am I going to do this anymore? Because yeah, like, we've, we've all been there, we've all been there, we've all been there, right? I mean, I think it's a question that runs through everyone's head at least once a day. Oh, yeah. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we subjecting ourselves to this? Yeah, like, why do we keep, like, hitting ourselves over the head like this? Right, right. Yeah. What would you, what would you say to, um, to, like, a newer person when it comes to bombing? Because we got to wrap this up. It's about, we're about, we're at the end of the second hour right now. Yeah. No, I mean, when you come to doing comedy, if you're bombing, uh, it doesn't mean that you're terrible. It just means that uh, you might have had a bad night. Uh, I always I always point out the fact that I read that uh, Key and Peele yeah. did a show somewhere and got booed off the stage. Number one comedy show in Can or in in America on Comedy Central, the Key and Peele, Key and Peele show yeah. was number one, and they did a, a show in the states. They got booed off the stage because people didn't want to see them, mm-hmm. uh, and and they, they didn't like their act. Mm-hmm. And I'm I, I say you can't judge your act by one night. No, 
you have to judge your act. Same as a joke. I, if I do a joke, I'll do it more than once. And if it bombs three times, I, I, I have the three strike rule. Mm-hmm. The same goes with bombing. If you bomb every night, every time you go on stage, you bomb, you either have to change your act or stop doing it. Right. And uh, so last question as we're going to wrap this up. No, I haven't and killed anybody. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, ask that was that. the question? Okay. No. So, um, name, like, give me, like, uh, your, like, your, give us, the, the listeners too, give us your favorite comedian of all time, if you have one, mm-hmm. and who would be your favorite comedian in Atlanta, Canada right now? Okay. Um, first of all, there's two favorite comedians for two different reasons. Uh, Robin Williams, because he taught me you can make f- jokes out of the air. Because I, I, I got uh, Reality What a Concept when, for a birthday present. And I listened to that thing and then realized that that was all, a lot of improv in there. Right. And I was flabbergasted that you could do that. So that changed how I did comedy. Because before that, I would just memorize well, comedy. Well, Robin Williams changed comedy for a lot of people. He did. Yeah. And, and, and the whole idea of being an improv comedian, coming up with things at the top of my head was a new concept because up until then I just memorized jokes and used to do jokes. I used okay. to tell people jokes. I could I could remember tons of jokes and, and recite them in front of people. And who was the other one? Uh, Dave Allen, who is an Irish comedian. Okay, uh, he, used to have, he used to have a, a TV show in the 70s and uh, I used to watch him in the 80s because he used to play him on uh, public access in the States, uh, the Dave Allen program. And Dave Allen was a brilliant storyteller like Travis Lindsay, who is one of the best comedians in Atlantic Canada to bring it back to there. Yeah, if not Canada. If, if not Canada, because he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and Travis reminds me a lot of Dave Allen because Dave Allen was a storyteller comedian. He would tell you a story and bring you in and you you don't even realize it's a joke because you're listening to the story and all of a sudden there's a punchline. You're like, oh my God, there's a punchline? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, amazing story. That's what I find with Travis is really like his best appeal is when he because he does he kind of like brings you in and then next thing you know you're just like what is he, what what where did this come from you know he has like that you know like I don't know how to explain what the word is like a, it's almost like a a ninja. Yeah, well, he it's it's a, it's a it's a it's the thing about a storytelling comedian. You have to be good enough that you can keep people's interest and then have a punchline at the end. Mm-hmm. I tried doing that, mm-hmm. and I couldn't get enough people to pay attention. Yeah, it doesn't work for me either. No, so 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 I can't do storytelling. I mean, I've written stories that people have read. Oh, I I, I do. I am a storyteller. I'm a, that's what I'm, I I do it, but I I have to do it in a way that's like. But yeah, anyway, so. Who would be who? So who is who, who's your favorite comedian on the East Coast or Canada? Whatever it doesn't matter. It's Travis matter. Lindsay. It's Travis, Travis Lindsay. Lindsay. Okay, yeah, that yeah, that uh, that that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because as far as I'm concerned, like he's, you know, like I mean, James Mullinger is great. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Travis is definitely the most polished. Yeah, Travis. Well, Travis is is the most popular. He's the, the he's got the, the storytelling thing, uh, you know, and he, he's 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 got a he's got a good. He's interesting, presence, and he's you know? interesting. But I mean, there's there's yeah. so many good comedians out here. Mackie's one of the most innovative. You know, Catherine's the queen of Halifax comedy. She is, yeah. You, you know, all these different comedians that. But Travis, to me, is going to be. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Travis will be the next big thing to come out of Halifax. And Dan, same thing again. Dan Hendrickson. You know, you know, he, you know, he, he doesn't seem to be as interested as much as he was before. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that Dan will be around. Dan, well, Dan will be around, but Dan's I mean, he's, inspiring. He just doesn't seem to have the ambition or the. Or the drive this as much as Travis I, I also agree with you 
like on that but the, like I hold Travis to a different in a different league kind of like a league of his own and uh, like I do think Travis will be the next big, big thing within the next five to ten years for sure yeah. but if you were going to ask me Rick McGray who my favorite comedian is um, my favorite comedian of all time if we're talking just comedians in general is Bernie Mac I don't even really feel the need to explain it because I'm like just Bernie Mac if you've seen me and you've seen Bernie Mac you can kind of like see I, I hope you would see the inspiration there. Yeah, you can see the similarities. Right. But my favorite comedian on the in Atlanta, Canada, if in Canada, I mean, if I was to say, and I don't know. I don't know. I would say it's Chris Haleff. I'm not even going to lie to you. Like, yeah. I think that he's only been doing it for a couple years, but, like, I would say that Chris Haleff is probably the best the best, like, one that no one's really aware of yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you got a lot of great, like, a, like a lot of great talented, like, Kyle Burnett's really good, too, and he has his, he's, his, he has a very unique style, but I feel like out of any of the new people that I've ever met, and I'm not, and Kyle's not even new, like, Kyle's been doing it a long time, yeah. so I don't want to down, I'm not trying to sound like I'm downplaying him, but, like, for example, with Chris, like, Chris, like, legitimately, like, you could see the fire in him, like, the passion, yeah. like, just by, with his warm-up and all that stuff, but, I don't know, I just like, I just like watching Chris, I just like watching him, I don't know why. Well, you know what I think it is, is that to me, it's like, they are going to be We're in the, the last next minute. big thing, yeah, to just me, so you know. yeah, to me, they're going to be the next big thing. But they're not the next big thing because, well, they're not now. But they're, no. going, they're going to be. But yes. Travis, Travis is. Yes. But they are going to be. But Travis is. Yeah. That's the way I look at yeah. it. Yeah. And I, I and I feel like, I feel like right now, like, I've said this to Travis myself. He's next level, and I feel like I've told Crystal left the last time I seen him. I was like, because like the last time I seen him carry, it was impressive. <laughs> like, oh yeah. It, it, like he had like thirteen jokes and he hit on twelve. Yeah. Like. It was it, it. It's been crazy to watch the guy's growth, you know. Yeah. But anyway, we've been sitting here talking for a couple hours now on this podcast. We've said, we've said some stuff about stuff in like we got ten seconds. So it's thank you, Carrie, for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me on. It's been great having you. Hopefully, we'll have you back on again. I'm Rick McGray. Remember the name. Thank you for listening to another episode of What Could Have Been with Rick McGray. Please like, share, follow, subscribe. Send me questions. You can find me on all social media platforms on Facebook at Rick McGray, on Instagram at Rick McGray, and on Twitter at Rick McGray. I'd love to hear from you and thank you for listening today.